When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mr. Dave Collum, please introduce yourself, my man. Uh, Dave Collum, professor of chemistry, Cornell University. Been here 41 years, uh, was an undergrad here, so been here 45 years. Um, degree in genetics as an undergrad, degree in organic chemistry from Columbia. Um, uh, late 90s, I got interested in markets, and since then I've been interested in anything that moves. And uh, so I'm still an organic chemist, but I... I write and rant and rave about politics and finance and all sorts of stuff. My godfather went to Cornell and then went to Duke Medical School. But aside from that, because I'm a selfish asshole who wants to talk about me, organic chemistry was my favorite class at UGA. I, I, I loved it. I loved it. I, I was not so good at the other stuff, but organic was it. No, I failed pre-calculus three times, still got into medical school. It's, I, think, I wasn't that bad. I, I was, no. I, I was going to go to med school, by the way. I was going to go to med school. Yeah. it's. I got into Miami and then decided I, I didn't want to do it, which was a, that kind of threw me for a loop as well. I loved organic chemistry. I loved, people always hated it and people always kind of do, oh, you're that guy. There was a certain... I loved it because there was like this, there was this exponential, exponential curve in learning it. Like I took organic chemistry two summer 2012. And so you had 14 days before each test and wasn't taking any other courses that summer. That's so, a crash course. Yeah. That's a crash course. That was, I loved it. Okay. And when I took over the course of a spring semester, that was fine. I loved it because it was just that. And there was this very reproducible, maybe there was some baseline attraction to something that was stable and the chaotic world we're in but i just knew that if i studied nonstop for 13 days by like day 10 i would start getting like 70s on the practice tests 11 would be like 85s and by 12 right. i could start to get 100s and there was something i loved about that first 11 days of sheer terror discombobulation of you know whatever the new thing you're learning or aldehydes or ketones or hyperconjugation or orthometer sn and but you would just push through it and then there was just a click one day where all of a sudden you started to see where all the puzzle pieces went and to me it was the most satisfying thing it's like a game of solitaire when you start to win yeah yeah and it was i just could never understand how i mean i did, i guess i did because i mean i got a 99 in ochem too like that was the highest grade i got in college and I could never understand why other people would bitch about it because in my mind, I was just, if you just drive at it, it will but That's eventually... not what they did, though. That's, what, that's not what they did. Yeah, I know. Well, that, of, of course. It's, it's, a, it's a language, right? It's, it's like a language, but I hated language, but it was only because I took French and, you know, I always say, you know, they shouldn't make you take French, right? Yeah, I took... and, and, and my wife or girlfriend would say, well, yeah, it's a beautiful language. I go, please tell me why a 12-year-old boy gives a shit about a beautiful language. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I, took, right? I, took, I took German because it, was a, because it sounded insane and I didn't do well in that either. But now there was something beautiful about that. And I guess there was sort of a lesson. 
and it was for me it was it was studying for the MCAT. I started studying for the MCAT like nine months out, and I never studied for it. Well, okay, I never. Well, I, I we didn't. You're young now, so you you're the post Kaplan generation. Yeah. So so Kaplan came along and saw an opportunity to make a lot of money by charging you guys to to take a course to study for stuff. When I was in school, you you'd you'd get to some point where you were supposed to take some SAT and you went and took the SAT. Yeah. That was I, it. Yeah. That was all. Well, that was actually kind of like I actually didn't pay for anything. I just like torrented all the Catholic. Well, we didn't even study. We didn't yeah. even study. All right. I well. mean it was just no no, but it it was just not in the yeah. culture yet. Yeah. Well, I think it was it was definitely I never knew there was a time where people did. for me it was there's very much like a competitive culture to that. I torrented all the the Berkeley Review, Kaplan, Exam Crackers, and then I made like these long PowerPoints for each section, like a thousand PowerPoint slides. And then ended up like seeding them on Reddit and it was for other people because I was fine, but I had friends that like weren't well to do or first generation immigrants, one from Africa, one was from South Korea, and they couldn't afford it. So I initially did it for them. And I put it out and I was until I was permanently banned from Reddit. But like for eight years, I would still get like inbox messages every once in a while from people that are like, I couldn't afford this. And I don't know who you are, but I just want to let you know that like I'm a doctor here now because of that. And I'd be like, thanks. I mean, definitely good to inflate your ego and make you feel like less of a piece of shit. Um, well, it's not just that. You know, when, when you get to the end of this whole shtick, none of us get out of this one alive. And in the end, you leave nothing. If you drive by a cemetery, you look in there and no one knows who the fuck those people yeah. are. Yeah. Right. So you, you, you only have a fact while you're alive. There's no, very few people have a real legacy, yeah. you know, there's who is, I don't remember who was the said it. Um, I quote, I think I quoted that this year, um, you, you die twice first time at uh, Banksy, Banksy, you die twice. First time when you're, your heart stops second time when someone mentions your name for the last time. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, it'll take a while for me to be cleaned off that slate. Yeah. I, I've, I've left enough of a paper trail. Yeah. Well, to, uh, luckily mine is digital. So mine could just be ice in an EMP blast and that could f- right. fi- finally be right. non-existent or, or the, I mean, it's, it's kind of edgy, but was that quote like most or uh, most men die at 25, but they're buried at 75. Oh, that sucks. I like that one. I've I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good. So so um, so this week, chemist, right? Mm-hmm. This is a weird world. I'm having dinner with uh, ten guys in New York City, and uh, I will be the only guy sitting at the table who's not a billionaire. Jeez. And um, anyone in finance would know their names. A couple I didn't quite recognize, and, and then I look and I go, oh, yeah, he's the one who blew up that hedge fund. I remember that now, right? Um, and then this morning I got a call from Switzerland from a old money guy, and he, uh, he invited me to spend Christmas uh, in his chateau in Crete just, just, just now, an hour before we went live. And I'm, oh, well, you know, I'm no, I don't know if we'll do it, but it, it, it certainly is a colorful opportunity that wouldn't have happened before right this is a very famous guy yeah and he's, he's he keeps trying to get me to go to switzerland where he spends some of his year uh, i'm not sure he does spend any more of his year now though now that you mention it um now that i mention it but um at, at one point he lived in switzerland and managed all money and so uh, that's a 
that's a, I, I, these are bucket list people I, I kind of want to meet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so this is a lot of fun. So I haven't been buried yet. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 66. All right. I'm 31. It's so you can still go to med school. Could, uh, don't do not want to. It's yeah, I get it. I liked crossing the finish line and getting the acceptance letter. And then it was like, I'm not yeah. actually happy. I knew I wasn't happy. I actually didn't go to my interviews. I bailed I bailed right before my interviews. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I had decided at the last minute to go off to try grad school in chemistry. It was it was unorthodox because as a genetics major to go off to Columbia to do a PhD in organic chemistry required a certain amount of batshit craziness, right? Sure. Um, I obviously got in for a reason and 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 so knew I could do it, but it, it uh, when you plan to go to med school your whole undergraduate career and then all of a sudden bail, you know the drill. You're one of the few who does, actually. Um, to all of a sudden give that up is a very strange thing. It's I knew – I've actually – I only know one other person who's done what you – and he actually went and did one year in med school, bailed, and now he works for NASA and makes robotics. And he jokes that he's dumber because he still owes that first year of debt. But I knew <laughs> – I knew I was kind of like a year before I could start to, in hindsight, see the seeds of discontent. I loved the grind, like organic chemistry. I loved the reproducibility of it. Work hard all semester. You get A's. You feel good. I was saving money. I was in great shape, had the hot girlfriend, and it just all seemed on paper. I'm going to be Dr. Kerrigan. I'm going to do this, X, Y, and Z. And it starts to sort of like, you know, even the most – you know, like the pyramids or the Sphinx, even like the strongest thing, eventually, like the forces of nature do reclaim it. And I meditate every day and I could start to, every once in a while, I'd smoke pot and it would just, I'd just feel it in the back. Just like, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do I gave this. Up, I gave up smoking pot in grad school because I had a bad night one night. Where, uh, those, uh, and I just was whizzing through all the things I hadn't gotten done that week. And I said, I'm never smoking that shit again. Those are um, – I would do it tactically like once a month because it would scare the shit out of me. And it would find I, I just I just decided I didn't like it. So I was I was I was getting shit faced in sixth grade and, yeah. and smoking pot in middle school and – Dropping acid probably by ninth grade. Well, all right. Well, you and, got uh, it. You got it out of your system before me. I, I was. I actually my senior year of high school was not doing any drugs by then. Oh. I I had scrubbed scrubbed the system clean. Did a little bit in college, but not much. Um, was pretty serious in college. Decided to better get my shit together. It's getting serious now. I started all that stuff like I started like smoking pot and like drinking probably like sophomore year of high school. And then stopped my sophomore year of college and did three years of. That's about right. That's I, about right. I, I, yeah. I kind of turned into like an old man. I instantly just went studying all the time, exercise, like save money. I was like, "There's no time for this," and you know, it was very. Yeah, you know. So for me, that was freshman year because I was terrified of flunking out, and so I, uh, so I remember one night where, where a friend came to visit, and so we got stoned in my room, and I had nothing but walled up. Uh, again, fear of flunking out. Yeah. I, I, so I was at Cornell, and I was not qualified to be at Cornell. I got to Cornell through various backdoor, side door shit, and so I knew that I was out of my league. And uh, and and we aired out the room, and and I hear a couple of guys coming down the hall, and they go, "Let's go see who it is in there." It was smoking pot. They come in, and one of them says, "Look who it is!" In, in utter amazement. 
And I realized at that moment that I was the hall geek. Uh, and I'm thinking, dude, you know, I used to move drugs. <laughs> the hall geek, right? Yeah. I, I, I used to do bad shit, <laughs> but I was the hall geek, right? Yeah. That was okay. So I've been pretty clean living ever since. I don't, I don't drink, not from lack of, you know, I don't have to be on a wagon. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I just, the taste of a beer is not as good as the taste of a Coke to me. Yeah, yeah. Or fresh orange juice or something. Yeah. I was like a like a meathead in high school. I'd still have some of it, but like never for you it was freshman for me, I still was like meathead Tommy, like joined a fraternity. Was at Valdosta. Well, so Georgia. did I. Yeah. So did I. I was very much like the bro. And then it was on August seventh, twenty ten, my twentieth birthday. And I remember my dad dropped me off at like the frat house, first day of like sophomore year. It was just like, you know, like, good luck. Like, you got three years. And I remember, like, smoking in the frat house living room that evening. And I just had this, like, burning image of, like, me flipping burgers and, like, having known I threw it all away. And it's kind of so like that, the joke, like, hold my beer. But, I mean, right. truly, I was, like, I got up and I remember my friend Chance was, like, where are you going? I was, like, I was like, I got I to gotta get into med school. And, like, just went to bed. We're sophomore right. years. And he was, like... Right. But then the next day, like, I just went to the library and everybody's like, dude, did Tommy go to the – kind of like you, look who it is. It was the same thing for me. They're like, look who's going to the library. And right. one day turned into a week, turned into a month, turned into a semester, turned into three years of never drinking. At the end of the semester, I drank. I rarely smoked pot, like I said, to just scare myself. And I just – it was as Ram Dass said, you know, I went and got my PhD primarily out of fear. <laughs> and right burning fear will drive you to that point but as yeah. you start to achieve the thing i guess that you could still say it's fear i remember again kind of poetically got too high like the first week of my last semester just got into medical school just aced it all i was like got it and i just remember staring at this quote on my laptop after a night downtown in athens georgia and just it was maya angelou there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story. And I just was like burning into my brain where I was like, I know I'm not happy. Like the fear of failure isn't there anymore because I just showed myself I could do it over three years, completely transformed until I was the hall geek. Right. And then I was like, I don't even know what I want to do, but I know it's not this. And... See, I wasn't as clear about what I not wanted to be a doctor. For me, um, I did the organic chemistry as a lark, so I talked my way into a research group uh, to do organic chemistry with with no credentials. So yeah. I, you know, you know the coursework. I had a one semester non major organic chemistry course. Right, this is not exactly a foundation yeah. for, to become an organic chemist. And then I had the one semester, two credit hour lab, and I got a B minus, right? It was nothing special. And then I took the second semester for a lark, and then I liked it. And, uh, I talked my way into a research group for reasons why he took me is unclear. He's a colleague now, it turns out. <laughs> and, um, and, and I'm in the research group, and I, I'm really loving it. And I decide I'm – but I need to know more organic chemistry if I'm going to do this research thingy. And so I uh, – so I'm talking to my TA. I said, well, you know, there is a graduate course in organic chemistry. It was the second semester, though. And I, so I, I decided 
first I decided to take physical chemistry, which is basically, for those who don't know, it's the physics of chemical systems, right? And I had no calculus. I had no physics. And the course was full of engineers. So I was, I was a wipeout there. C plus B minus. I remember all my grades. Don't ask me why. And then I took the second semester graduate organic course. So I, here I am, one semester non-major. Then I'm in the second semester of a graduate sequence. And I got a 28 below the mean on the first test, and I didn't choke. That's all I had. That's all. And I studied so hard. Yeah. That's all I could come up with. And I went and talked to the professor. I said, look, I'm not afraid of a bad grade. I've had a few of those. Um, but if you think this is stupid, uh, you know, maybe I should think about it. And he said, no, nah, I think you'll get better. Second, the second prelim, I have a conflict with a PCHEM exam. So the PCHEM exam, it turns out I'm going to blow off anyways because he lets us drop one. And I got this organic exam. And so I said, fucking, I'm not going to study that. Yeah. yeah. Turns out I took it anyways and got an F. The funny part, the reason I mentioned this in my story is because the topic was kinetics. Now, you might remember a little from freshman count, but you don't get much in those two years. I am now, I think, legitimately one of the probably half dozen most well-known kineticists <laughs> in chemistry. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and I had no calculus. I had no nothing. And I'm, I, I don't know if that's fair, but if, if I were to ask who's my competition in the United States, at least, I, I, I think... I had papers refereed where they said there's no one left in the world to understand what you're doing. Jesus. And I, I still didn't have any math, right? Yeah. I just, you know. So then I took the organic exam in the guy's office because of the conflict, time conflict too. And I handed it to him and he said, well, what do you think? And I said, oh, it's easy. And he physically flinched. I got the second highest grade in the fucking class on the second exam. And I, <laughs> I said, holy fuck. I, too, was an athlete. I said, I can kick some ass in this subject, right? Yeah. So that lit me right up. And yeah. so then it was off the races. I took about three or four more grad courses. So I went off to Columbia with nothing but graduate organic courses and nothing else in chemistry that worth the shit. And the first semester, they put me in quantum mechanics, graduate-level physics. Jesus Christ. No calculus. Jesus. Holy fuck, right? <laughs> I didn't even recognize the symbols, right? And there and anyone who's listening to this who knows math or physics, they were using vessel functions and shit. And I didn't have calculus. And I got an eight on one of the exams. It was a gift. And I I actually kind of rallied a little on the final. I got a D. And then and then they put me in a inorganic course. It was on boron cages. Now, your viewing audience isn't going to know this, but, but I can assure you no one in the world needed to know about boron cages. But the guy, the guy says, if you, if you do well in the final, I'll give you that grade. Now, I was pretty good at these boron cages, it turns out, but I wasn't doing well on the test. I couldn't figure out why. And he, said, he had said at the beginning of class, come and see me if you're not satisfied. How are you doing? I would never do that, right? The only time I'd ever go to see a professor if I, if I thought he was full of shit. And uh, so after the first test, and do I go? Why? Why the fuck did I fuck that up? Probably the quantum mechanics, right? And um, and then the second test did better, but still wasn't what I could do. And so I went to see him, and he said, "He could have given this. What do you want me to do?" And I'm going, "Fuck! You told me to come here. This is stupid, right?" <laughs> so if I <laughs> I get a little testy with him, 
I said, look, you told me to come here. Here's the deal. I know the ship better than anyone in the class. I don't know why I'm not putting up the numbers. He says, Riley, Riley, he says, well, I guess she'll do well on the final, won't you? I got the highest fucking grade on the final. And he was so excited. He said, you did it. I, I said, I told you. I told you I knew the shit. And for some reason, it wasn't coming up. So I ended up getting a, an A, a B, and a D, thinking I'm going to get kicked out of Columbia. And they sent me a letter saying that we're happy with how you're doing. Your record's a little uneven. I go, really? You think that's uneven? <laughs> really? An A, a B, and a D, huh? And uh, straight A, second semester. And then the funny part of the story. So I was a 3-4 GPA at Cornell. And that was just kind of starting out like around two nine three zero, and then drifting up at the end. So, so good slope. Yeah, yeah. Same. But th- that's not Cornell's A team. Yeah, right. That 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 is not the starting lineup right there. So I get to Columbia and I start my research, and it goes so fucking well. It's like the U.S. beating Russia in nineteen eighty. <laughs> So at the end of my second year, beginning in my third year of grad school, Cornell offers me a job interview after two years of grad school. Now, typical PhD in chemistry, five years, two-year postdoc, seven years total, and I get an unsolicited interview from Cornell after two years. And then I started interviewing, and then I, just in case they go, oh, that was just luck. At Caltech, same thing. Caltech offered me an unsolicited interview, so I so I interviewed all over the country. I was the, I was the young guy. I remember a guy at Caltech says to me, he says, he says, you're the young guy, right? And I go, yeah, that would be me, all right. He said, third year of grad school, and I go, yeah. And he said, you finish your third year. I said, no, I'm starting my third year. Jeez. He's going, whoa, whoa. And so then I went, I, was, I accepted a job back at Cornell while I was still 24 years old. Jesus. Christ. And I came back and then I switched fields. I decided, well, that was fun, but I'm moving on I'm again. Finished. And I, and, you know, and I went into physical organic chemistry. Of course, no math, no physics, no nothing. Why not do something with the word physical in it, right? And, uh, and it worked out pretty well. It took some, took, took some bruising. Yeah. Right. There was, there was some, there was definitely some, uh, some, some, uh, period of, of uh doubt i had people tell me you're you're nuts dude and i said yeah but you know if it if, it, if it's not risky it's not worth doing so well and, th- and then i went on a tear and 41 years later i'm still still funded still publishing well i, th- I think i can kind of pick your brain then so like the day i graduated i was like well if weed scares me i wonder what mushrooms will do and so, like, I went out yeah. of the woods and ate a bunch of mushrooms and, like, meditated. And, okay. like, I just kind of had the overwhelming feeling that, like, I can succeed at whatever I want. I Now I just don't know what I want. And so I, the first thing I thought was, like, well, I want to be an anesthesiologist. So I was, like, I'm going to start studying for pharmacy school. Like, send a letter to Miami, said, thank you, no, thank you. And was like the day I was actually back down at the University of Georgia interviewing for their pharmacy school. I was like, I'm going to go here. My girlfriend's still an undergrad. I was like, I'm just I was like, I had just had this realization that I was like, I'm just I just want to be happy, but still do well. That was I interviewed that morning. That evening is when my brother committed suicide. And it was just like. Did you see it coming? Did you see it coming at all? Did you know he was troubled? Yes, but I can't Not at that level. No. And I can't even give a, a reasonable answer almost eight years later because now I don't even know what I'm remembering and what I'm like projecting. 
Right. It's so right. it's. Did he leave a note? Yeah. Uh, I think that I'm fine with talking about it. For my, well, we don't have. Yeah, to, no. For for is... my for my parents, I, I won't. It's very 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 okay. very simple. Nothing that I just wanted to know if he left you. A yeah, note. yeah, 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 yeah. No, he did. He did. Okay. Um, I'll tell you, if I ever commit suicide, if I don't leave a manifesto, someone capped me. Oh, I'm gonna. No- I guarantee. I, if I ever do, I I'm gonna. You, my le- note's gonna be recognizable if I do it. Oh, if I ever do, I'm gonna leave a note that says I'm working on a huge story relating DARPA to the CIA to the White House and all the way back oh, down exactly. to Ep- Epstein. Exactly. Just throw them. Exactly. Just throw them. And uh, yeah, exactly. I'm gonna say I'm going to meet exactly. with Dr. Malone tomorrow. I've got a big story. And then yeah, myself. I know. But frame some I'll bastard with everything fuck you got. Somebody, I'll pull it. That's that. That's that's not the mind of a person who's going to commit suicide, though. Yeah, yeah. That's I would, the mind of a guy who does it. Yeah, I would tie in. You've Fauci. got solutions. I tie You've in, got solutions. I tie in Fauci. That's what I do. I tie in. But Fauci. This, this is like a, a an abused spouse. So, what you and I would say is, if we were abused spouses, um, we'd get the guy to smack us one time too many, blow his fucking head off. Yeah. But when you think that way, you don't let yourself be abused. You're not an abused spouse. Abused spouse comes up with excuses. You are by definition not 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 the victim. Yeah. Um, but I'll stop going down the, those rabbit holes. So, you know, immediately kind of after that, started trying to find out what I wanted to do. Um, started writing. Didn't want to do that. Tried like a year at that. Started doing X, Y, and Z. Taught myself graphic design. Got pretty good at it. Still didn't know what I wanted to do. And then finally, like I told you in 2019, I just kind of started the podcast. And that's I just kind of brushed over six years of, I mean, really unimaginable existential terror of not knowing what I wanted to do, of moving home to my parents' house because I was suicidal, to not having a social life. I mean, from 25 to 30, living at home, 600 miles from where I went to college where all my friends were. Girlfriend dumped me. Just not knowing what I wanted to do every day. People being like, "Dude, you can still go to medical." It's not even like you're. It's not even like you're some retard. They're like, "You can still." But you couldn't. They're but, like, but "You weren't." That's there. what I told them. I was like, it. "I was like, no, I'd, I'd, I'll, I'll kill myself if I do that." And with this, this has started very slow. It's starting very slowly to kind of start to work. I'm getting bigger and bigger guests, but to, all the point of me saying all this is it relates back to what you said. If there's no risk and there's like no fear it's not really it's not really worth it because I showed myself I could go from meathead frat boy to getting into medical school. I now know I can do the thing. So the next was right. like, with that, there's a, there's a paved path. The courses exist. You go to the advisor. You got to ace them, but the path exists. Right. I was like, there is no path with this. Like, what is the, in my mind, well, so they- looks at how great is the trophy at the end of the thing that has no path. So the advice to parents is um, who are listening is that uh, be patient with your kids because I've seen so many kids who are just not yet ready to be an adult, even though the parent thinks, well, I just paid a quarter of a million dollars. So I want them to be an adult. right? And one day a a physics major was in my office. He was asking me about some points he didn't get on some test as a senior. And I'm, I'm listening to this guy going, this is not about points. I don't know what it is, but it's not about points. So I, I sit there and keep chatting with him, and he eventually basically says in so many words, I feel like I've gone off the path. And I said to the guy, I said, look, you're a 3-5 GPA physics major from Cornell. You're in great shape. Um, you got a great education. And by the way, this is your path. 
there's you don't go off the path. This yeah. is your path. Whatever it takes to get there. So my son, my older son, um, was uh, was a terrible student. A terrible student to the point that at one point a teacher student conference teacher parent conference I said so let me see if I got this right to his teacher the only kids in this his class he's beating are crack babies and uh and the teacher sort of blew a snot bubble and said yeah right so he he's a sweetheart but just nothing motivated nothing motivated but he had this great temper we're going what do we do you know we try to figure it out we talked to a shrink he talked to him and he said let him be Right. And I was ready to anyways. My wife was having more trouble with the idea of letting him chart his own course. He then went off to I wanted him to join the Navy. Um, my wife wanted him to do something else. She wasn't a big Navy fan. And so he went off to a two year hotel management program, which basically the only requirement is dad can write a check. Um, and then he started to grow up and, and then he, he went off to New York City. He went to a four, finished a four-year degree in event management, went off to New York City without a job. And then one day called and said, I got three job offers this week. And now he became in no time flat the um, director of event management at the Council on Foreign Relations. <laughs> Holy fuck, right? Yeah. Holy fuck, right? That's the Death Star. Yeah. My son works at the fucking Death Star, Hell right? Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, it's not as bad as people think it is, but it was started by Alan Dulles and was yeah. run by <laughs> David Rockefeller, so say, it can't be all good. Whenever you hear right? that, I'm reading a book about Smedley Butler right now, and it's kind of con- Smedley it, Butler. Yeah, but they're pulling Smedley it. Butler. Obviously, he died before that, but they're bringing it forward to the future, and they're talking about they had the Dulles twins and and or the Dulles brothers and Kissinger. And- so, have you read Devil's Chessboard? I not by David Talbot. It's on my. It's yeah. on my to do. I have not oh. yet. I know I need and, to. And you have to put on your agenda this week uh, to watch Rogan's seventeen eighty podcast with a guy named uh, I can never pronounce his name Majid Nawaz. I just saw a tweet about that. Is he talking about a World Economic Forum? Uh, he he covers everything. Okay. It is a transformational. Okay, it's Rogan's best podcast in my opinion. Really. And I, he had some great podcasts. I, but, I'm, but, I'm uh, impartial to his second Alex Jones episode. There were times during the podcast I'm going, this must have been what it was like listening to Plato talk or something, really? right? There was, there was right, something I'll make, a, so, I'll make a note of it. I'll make a note. There was something so coherent about his, about his reasoning. 1780? 1780. All right. And it's on Rumble if it's not on, if you can't, if for some reason it disappears from Spotify. It probably will. Uh, probably will those bastards. But, I think Rogan is changing. I think I think they changed Rogan when they attacked him. Yeah, and I think he's more courteous and more filtered. So his his guests are good. You can't. But it's like it, I feel like man. I'm watching an episode of some Stepford Files you show where there's apologize. a little bit of a mis. You can't. Bend yeah, the knee yeah, 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 yeah. You can't apologize. Tall. You got to go full. You got to go full like Patton or Eisenhower, unconditional surrender. No, that's right. what they want. They don't want to make. They don't want to shake hands at Okinawa. They want to nuke you at Nagasaki. Fuck so that. I I know what he went through because I got canceled at Cornell back in 2020, and it, it is a, and admittedly his cancel was big, but he's also big. Yeah, my cancel was small, but they have five thousand undergrads try to petition to get you fired. That 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 keeps your your sure. your, your alert. Uh, <laughs> What I figured out eventually was you can't give an inch. 
You can't. You, you can't apologize at all. They don't want your apology. They don't want contrition. They want blood. They don't want, give them blood. They want you to kiss. So the tell rain. them to fuck you. You know who did it best? Dave Chappelle. I was about to say Dave Chappelle. I'm gonna. Dave I'm Chappelle gonna go to Africa. Fuck you all. Yeah, and he said. He said you. He says I'll have a chat with you if you want, but you will not summon me. I will not take a knee. Do you listen to Tim Dillon? Tim Dillon's very good. Tim Dillon is the only thing I. I listen to audiobooks in the morning and I listen to podcasts in the evening. I'm an audiophile. Dude, I'm a complete audiophile. I have like a personal OCD thing where I I have to crack out one audiobook a week. Nonfiction, have to finish it by yeah, we're soulmates here, dude. We are. I'm right now I'm listening well, right now I'm listening to Smedley. Um no okay. I, I keep Is it, it good? It's very good. It's not the plot to seize the White House by Jules Archer, it's another one. I haven't listened to anything about Smedley. He's been on my sort of. I gotta figure this Same guy with out me. better. I, I he's right. been a name. I know the whole war is a racket speech. It's the OG military industrial complex speech. I've known it for years, I and I, I've known that I had to dig it. So I'm finally digging into it. This guy was insane, but the the right. awakening process is beautiful as well. I mean, he truly was. You can see him slowly start to realize he's been used. And like the true right. nature of empire, but I don't know enough about that. So that's a, that's a, a sort of a window I'm, in this. I'm the two days into the book. Complex. Yeah, I'm two days okay. into the book. Well, that's why I listen to so it. The other one, your readers have to read. They have to have to have Devil's to, have to board, read. Yeah. Well, no, even worse, even more transformational for me was uh, RFK's book on on Fauci. The real Anthony. The Fauci. real Anthony Fauci is horrifying. Yeah, it's it is horrifying. It's, I mean there's a chance he's going to come on here. Not a good chance, but there's a non-zero chance he's going to come on here. I have his email. So do I. No, so, uh, so, do, <laughs> oh, okay. so do I. Non, okay. Non-zero chance. That will be the one I listen to. Um, I was going to say, going back on just looking at, so I keep a, I keep an Excel sheet. So this last week was the Black Code, which is like a early 2000s book about the NSA. Before that's The Watchers. Which is all about like permanent surveillance, Department of. Do you Medicine. ever say I've got to listen to something fluffy to get my brain a rest? Well, that's why I do podcasts in the evening, and by podcast I mean Tim Dillon. I listen to reruns. I play video games with my friends. But when I wake up, no, but up, the guy who called me from Switzerland had just read the three hundred pages that I wrote last fall about rising authoritarianism. Yeah, and he said. He said, I've read every single one you've written for years now. He said, now you have to stop. No, no, man. So No, but he, he said it because he's saying it's wearing on you too much. No, fuck that. That's no, that's the madness of getting closer to the truth. That's what it is. I know, I've, but he's watching it. No, he's well, watching who, me. Who cares? Who cares? He's watching well, the so roller he, coaster. You're sees, riding the roller sees, coaster. He sees Bilbo carrying the ring. Listen, we're all, if, we're, if, if we don't go down our own self-induced madness, we're going to dementia or Alzheimer's. And if you don't do that, you eventually go th- undergo clinical brain death anyway. Who gives a shit? Yeah. I want to know yeah. what's really going on between the dolls. I want to see what did LBJ say to fucking whoever, Hoover, whatever. Why Why did exactly. Hoover have Why did Hoover have a file on JFK before World War II even ended? Like, what the hell? Why did he have a, a file on Lee Harvey Oswald starting in 59? I want to go. Right. I want to go in. Right. I don't care how... Again, and I think that's – I genuinely mean this. I think that's probably the benefit of, of losing a sibling is it fucks with your – that paired with the existential crisis of deciding I'm not going to go to medical school. Those two combined, that was like a speedball of existential crisis. I don't give it's a like shit. 
It's like a hit off a crack pipe. It is. It's DM. It's smoking DMT out of the devil's dick. Like you just see death. And after that, I'm just more curious than anything. I'm like, I'm like, what was 9-11? I'm like, what was the Gulf of Tonkin? I don't give a shit. Like, I, yeah, in fact, I'm having trouble. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm having trouble thinking about historically important events for which I don't believe, which I don't believe the alternative interpretation. I, yeah, well, no, that, that's why I like to. So I'll get to why I like reading all these books. What I was going to say is I saw a great meme like a week ago and it goes, now that you've kind of seen what fake news really is, right? We're seeing the crumbling of the MS. Now imagine what's fake history. And that kind of blew, oh, my, oh, that blew no my, that blew my fucking head. But Oh no, that's exactly right. You have to replay all the narratives and say, well, what, what really happened? What happened? So, but I was going to say, so, I interviewed Bing West, who's good friends with General Mattis, and he wrote General Mattis's, I think, biography, autobiography, I don't know, whatever it is, just called Call Sign Chaos. And there's a quote in there. There's two quotes. And one is intuition from General Mattis. Intuition is pattern recognition, nothing more, nothing less. And then the second quote is, if you have not read hundreds of historical books, you are functionally illiterate. I, I knew the second quote. So I, 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 I've saved, I save quotes. Yeah. So I have a, I have a quote file that's just pasted quotes that is 75 pages long. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a big one. To me, it's the, but the point is, is I look at it now is the more it's like captures, like as AI goes forward and it has more, right. It has more like mm-hmm. tagging things. Like that's kind of what I think, like, an underlying like meaning to like Instagram is like us hashtagging things is probably being fed into some DARPA computer to just label things better. Mm-hmm. My logic is, is that it gets better when it has more data. The Google search is better when you can index everything. So I'm just that's like, true with us too. I'm yeah, like, if I can just too. download books into my head every week, nonfiction, historical books, then I must somehow be getting better intuition. What also tells you that it's important to read um, different books about the same subject. Yeah. 2020, on, on November 22nd, I had on uh, uh, Gerald Posner, who wrote Case Closed, and it's about mm-hmm. how unequivocally Lee Harvey did it by himself. And I also, on that day, I interviewed uh, um, Jefferson Morley, who wrote The Ghost, about James Jesus Angleton, the head of CIA counterintelligence, and how he really thinks the CIA had a hand in it, if not entirely. And I read both those books multiple times and I see both their arguments. That's the, that's the weird thing is I see both of their arguments. I have, I I would have trouble buying a, uh, buying a soul gunman argument at this point. Well, that's why I listened to it as I was like, tell me your argument. And it's, he makes a decent argument. I don't believe it. It's not where I come down on it. But if someone's right. going to make an argument, I try to kind of like where we are with censorship now. I'm always like my mind is forced to become even more open in the light of censorship. Well, there's sim- there's simple. And once in a while, there's the smoking gun piece of data that makes you just say, look, <laughs> I think it's over. Um, you know, f- for a lot of us, 9-11, you watch Building 7 collapse. You go, can't do it. You go, the fuck? Physics says can't do it. Yeah, you go, fuck, what is that? Yeah. No way. No way. Um, and you can take all the other pieces. Say they're all fragmentary, but that one I just I just can't do it. Um, or the phone know, calls Ruby, from the planes. 
or the what? How the fuck are people making phone calls at the plane? Cell service cuts well, out the like other, a thousand the other, feet. So I'm in the middle of a podcast one day with this guy, QTR, who's an entertaining bastard, uh, Chris Irons. And uh, he mentions the new Pearl Harbor, which is yeah. a four-hour documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's yeah. very good. Yeah. The, and they the, talk to a bunch of aeronautical engineers who say that thing couldn't have been flying at sea level at that speed. And they talk to pilots saying that could have flown that flight turn. Path, you, know? you can't do that yeah, shit. You don't fuck yourself. A, a or 270. 270. Yeah. And, the, and the, all the pilots are sitting there, sitting there together in their, their uniforms going, there's no chance I could have flown that path. An FBI agent finds the gas or the jet fuel soaked passport <laughs> on the street but, but that see that's the immediate bullshit story that those i can throw up because they go okay they knew here, here here's how you cover that one easy you say they were tracking them they the fucked sh- it up and they want and they and, and they, they want to cover their incompetence they, they want to that's go- right and so so i say we found this this is how we knew who it was even though they knew well, all along um that's what's kind so of those don't trouble me but but when you the physical when you went you know, when the, the jets are all up in Maine. You know? so, so here's the question I asked people. I said, okay, so imagine um, imagine you knew something was heading for D.C. How long would it take you to scramble jets? And the answer would be uh, either seconds or they're already up in the air all the time. And yeah. I don't know which it is, yeah. but it's one of those two. If I were in charge of Washington, D.C., making sure it's safe, there would be no moment in time that there weren't uh, fighter pilots in the air. Yeah, or at least within, at the within, end of the runway. Yeah, yeah, but they they'd be in the air. These would be like AWACS or yeah, something. Just, right? just they'd be watching. Kind of, yeah. We watch for forty five minutes. The plane go from go from you know New York City down to Washington D.C. Right. And, yeah. And so the so so that's how I mean, once the the problem then becomes is once you accept the nine eleven truth or story. Then you go, okay, there's nothing too ridiculous to rule out. Well, that's the problem. And that's that's kind of where Tim Dillon comes down. He goes, once that's you right. realize that something like Epstein was allowed to go on. Right. Fucking kids for blackmail power. Just objectively, let's just remove all morals and ethics. Sure, it's a fantastic tool of force projection. Fucking aircraft carrier. If you can get a if you can get a, a prime minister fucking an underage child on camera, that's more power than a nuclear weapon. Right. So that's evil, right? Demonic, satanic, whatever. That being said, once you accept that <laughs> that was sanctioned, then then there's no there's no rule. Then when someone says, "Do you think the Gulf of Tonkin really happened?" You go, "Fuck! I no, of course it didn't. Of course we went to Vietnam to sell some helicopters. They're fucking kids yeah. on an island yeah, with I a know. goddamn temple." Yeah, so it's the whole mind starts to melt. When that's actually well, what it means though is you're on your own because because then any old goofy theory has to be excluded too. Because but you know you can't rule it out. What's bri- no, no. I was going to say no. What's brilliant though is it actually sharpens the mind because well, when things po- when things pop up like is the Earth flat, you don't go well. I guess everything else now. You very quickly start to look at things and you go, no, it's a it's a fucking no. It's it's a sphere. Next, right to me. So that's right. That's to me, right. it sharpens the or, sword. Or, or, or uh, the fascinating one of this week is is what is Russia really trying to do? Yeah. Right. So, so right away, right away, the whole Ukraine story went right off the rail. I right th- off the rails. I think. Right off the rails. I think deep conspiracy now. I think this that isn't deep. What? No, 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 no. I was thinking. Okay, go ahead. No, because because I always look at like what's happening, and then I'm like, well, if I, me, a biology major in a, in a chair in an apartment, screaming at a camera, I'm like, if I see this, then this isn't what it is. 
So my logic is, is what's really going on? Well, if it's going to drive Ukraine to join NATO or if they don't do it, but it causes the EU to tighten up because they realize that they're not as invincible as they thought, who does that benefit? That doesn't benefit Russia unless, of course, we're, I don't know, we're doing like World War II part two. We're getting back together with the ex-wife. It's Russia's teaming up with us to fuck China. That's what I. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's based on nothing. Although a lot of our actions look like we're trying to push Russia to join China. Then you go, well, why would that be? Well, it turns out you can make an excellent case that China owns all our politicians. So, well, one hundred percent stealth war by Brigadier General Robert Spaulding. I've interviewed him. I don't. Yes, I'm a Spaulding fan. I haven't read his book yet, but I've had a few brief brief chats with him. Um, Episode one sixty one. I interviewed him. Well, that I, I that way, way, way out does me. Maybe I should become a podcaster. Um, then I should. at least get to talk to the people I want to talk to. Yeah, dude, that's um, that's the best fucking excuse for it. That's what I tell everyone. I know. I'm like, I play it I off. Know. It's like a CIA front. I'm like, I play it off as a business, but it's actually espionage. I'm like, I play it off as a podcast. I just get to talk. <laughs> I get to hang out with Dr. Malone. I happen to record it and I put it online with the title. I get to chat. Well, that's what I actually tell people. I said, look, I'm happy to chat with interesting people. And if they want to record and put it online, I'm fine. Yeah. Right. Dude, I, I could, that's, that's what I view I it as. I've talked to a guy that walked on the moon. Like, like sure. Oh, it's a podcast. Is this Aldrin? Aldrin? No, not Aldrin. Uh, Charlie Duke, 10th man to walk, youngest man to walk on the moon. You did see the Twitter feed of Aldrin uh, on the anniversary of the moon landing. So some chick. Some unknown, you know, no name on Twitter said, do you remember where you were when they walked on the moon and Aldrin chimes? He says, yeah, I was on the moon. (laughs) Fucking retards. That's Twitter at its finest, right? That's that's um, that's really um, that's really good stuff. I had somebody tweet at me like a couple weeks ago and it was like, hey, Tommy, like and it's. I've seen more and more people starting to ask if they can come on. And I'm like, fuck you all. I've built this from nothing. And so now I, I, I that stuff just makes me angry. But now they're, they're your friend. Now they're your friend. Yeah, no, no, no. Screw, <laughs> screw you all. Screw you all. No, it is. I am. I've gone fully off the deep end. I'm in an undisclosed bunker. I'm not. But one guy tweeted at me and he was like, I mean, I respect the grift, but he was like, I'm the patriotic flat earther. He was like, let me tell you why. And I go, sorry, dude, one of my guests debunked it. And he was like, who? And so I just linked him Charlie Duke, and I was like, well, he, he told me that when he was standing on the moon and, and looking back at the Earth that it is indeed not flat. And, well, he didn't respond. But the point with with kind of diving into all of these conspiracies is some people think that it will make you go crazy. But to me, it's – let's say flat Earth. It was always a sphere. Just because it took humanity millennia to get to that realization doesn't mean it was ever not that. So to me, right. whatever is blackpilling, quote unquote, or makes you go crazy, no, that's always been the underlying movement of power, blackmail, you know, lines of trade, China owning our Congress. It's always been there. All you're doing is wiping the sleep away from the eyes. All you're doing is like just brushing off the dust and seeing the full. So skeleton. that's the question I ask prominent people who, who who've had a lot of perspectives that maybe I don't, don't have. As I said, is it always been this crazy or is it getting worse? And they said, it's both actually, right. It's always been crazy, but it's getting worse. 
And so um, clearly COVID revealed stuff that you just had no idea would, would occur, right? You never would have seen Australia coming, I don't think. You never would have seen Canada coming no. this week. No. Right? I, I mean, the truckers were, were in Ottawa, and it was the most heartwarming thing to me. I, and all of a sudden, they're now getting stopped. I go, holy shit, they're going to lose. Yeah. I, How did the truckers get get beaten? And the answer is because uh, the opposition was playing a higher stakes game and is more ruthless than I imagined. Yeah, it's I, – I interviewed a convoy of truckers. They like – they like linked up their radios and then someone somehow managed to get it on internet. I, I don't understand any of this. But it was like two weeks right. ago and I had them call in. It was like 9 p.m. And yeah, you listen to it. They had doctors with them. You're like, oh, this is so peaceful. You're like, they're going to they're gonna go do this. And then you just see Trudeau coming out with war powers. And I think he said right. today that they are not suspending and the war powers. that Freelander chick, that Freelander chick. Is that the crypt? Freeland? Is that the- Freeland? Christia Freeland, the, she's the second in command up there. Was that the one smiling at the freezing of the accounts? Yes, that she she looks like she's about fifty years old, um, and and she turns out, you know, if my head wasn't ready to explode before it was now, it turns out she's one of these World Economic Forum oh, yeah, 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 trainees, yeah. and and you're going, is everyone going through that training camp? What is this? Is this some gulag or how whatever? We, some, they, how do we get invites? Yeah, I know. I know. It really sucks. I really would love to be in the elite at this point. Yeah, um, and then there was that quote the other day. Some of these are so funny. The other day where the woman, the woman's talking at a World Economic Forum meeting, right? This is some a-holes at the J-hole or something. And, uh, and she says, the good news is that the elites, she calls them the elites. We get along better than we've ever gotten along. She says the bad news is that, that the common people don't trust any of us at all. And I'm going, you, do you wonder why that is? So I, I don't know where this is going. It feels to me like we are either going to, to a total, uh, to, to a totalitarian, a global totalitarian state, mm-hmm. which might have, my, I, I presented like 12 theories as to why that would be. They're, they're kind of not parallel theories. They're kind of different angles at the problem. Uh, the one that strikes me as possible is it's possible when the internet went live, it was an unstoppable force. Yeah. That the internet was, I, I used to say, look, it's the greatest hope of democracy and it's potentially its worst enemy. I worry that it's worst enemy part one. And it might've been, it was never going to go any other way. So with the data, with the, with this hugely interconnected data system, um, it's just too powerful. And it's conceivable that there was just no way that the bad guys were going to keep their paws off it. And so I, you and I can talk for now, but we're not guaranteed to be able to keep talking. I think what gives me hope is there, and I don't understand it, but there does seem to be some like greater – you know, I've interviewed Howard Bloom in his book about the global brain and like how mm-hmm. intelligence arises from systems that we can't quite understand. And if we did understand it, then it wouldn't be the this sort of meta intelligence. Right. But it's I think about how you could almost say that like the military elite almost had like the total coup in like the fifties. They now had 
thermonuclear weapons deliverable from orbit. Right. You, you win. Well, and then what we got to do, we got to build our bunkers, our NORADs, our, our Raven Rocks, our Mount Weathers. And then what do we need? We got to be able to connect one another. That last thing they wanted to do is the thing that birthed the internet. So I feel like whatever coup, it seems like they're getting close to right now, whatever it is, digital ID, I don't know. I can only imagine that one little thing might just escape and then that's the new seed. I don't know what it would be, but it would be as alien to us as what the internet was probably imaginable to like GIs coming home from the Pacific. Right, but you can spend a lot of years underneath a regime before the new regime yeah. appears. You're gonna find you're gonna find this Rogan the seventeen eighty podcast to be rather staggering, I think. Yeah. And not surprising, but you're gonna be you you're gonna be impressed. And um and so I you know, I don't know where we go from here. I'm old enough where I'm just going, Oh fuck, I'm a depreciated asset already. I'm just glad they waited until I was old. To, to wreak havoc because because so, so so one thing that that Majid talks about in the Rogan podcast is this this central bank digital currencies right so I've had this screen pass metaphor in my head that I've now found myself using twice the first time it came to me was during the January 6th upheaval which I wrote about I don't know I wrote about 30 pages on just January 6th in which I said look I, here's what I saw and it, it's a very pro January 6th, very pro sort of deplorable view and very much sort of revealing of what they're using it as a crutch. Now, what I saw was it's clear that they planned it. Right? It's clear that it, it was planned to take Trump out of the kneecaps. Um, it was the metaphor that I find is it's a screen pass. So so the, the deplorables were showing blitz and and and. The, the left-wing power structure said, and I'm not even sure it's just left-wing. You don't know how many Republicans wanted Trump out. We don't know. Oh, we have no idea. Did. The whole system wanted If it. any of them wanted Trump to be there, right? And so it's it's the entire – I agree with you. It's it, approximately it's the entire system. So so they they – you know, they backpedaled then through a screen pass right over the heads of the deplorables. Next thing you know, Mr. You know, Viking horn guy, you know, QAnon shaman is doing 41 months in prison for having broken almost no law. Yeah. Almost no law. I, you can give him a trespassing charge or something, but he, he broke nothing. He vandalized nothing. He punched no one. He hurt no one. He did any did nothing like that. And here he is doing 41 months Yeah, for, for protesting. Yeah. And there's just more and more. Nine people died because of that event. Please explain to me how nine people die at that event. I thought it nine. was one. I thought it was Ashley Babbitt. No, it's Ashley Babbitt, and, and I then, wasn't convinced she died. And then a bunch of suicides. Um, a bunch of no, no, there's a bunch. Suicides. It turn, turns out there's there was four others, and there was four security guards who committed suicide. Now, please tell me that doesn't sound like a cleanup job. To me. That doesn't sound like a Clinton job. Yeah. It is a cleanup, right? Someone, there were a bunch of, so here's the, here's one of the problems. The FBI enlists informants. Mm -hmm. I got approached by the FBI to be an informant. It was clear I was too loose cannon for them. I I was, I had fun with the conversation, Um, you know, for a college campus, sort of eyes on campus kind of thing. And, uh, and, uh, 
so the, the FBI has these informants, of which, remember, the Whitmer, the Whitmer yeah. kidnapping plot Seven was 12 out of, out of 20 uh, were, yeah. were kidnappers, were, were FBI guys. The informants are expendable. So you're an informant. One minute you think you're part of the plot in which you're you're in tight with the good guys or or not. Maybe the guys you don't think. I think a lot of them are, get into some sort of legal trouble and they say, look, you got two choices. You got a prison, you work for us. I think that's make, what it is. Make I, your call. I think that's probably that's what right. it is most of the time. And and therefore they become part of the plot. They do what they're told. The next thing they know, they're either getting killed or They're convicted. charged as the plot, yeah. Right. And they go, but wait, wait, wait. I, dudes, I, I was working with you, not against you, right? How do you prove that in court? when the FBI guys are testifying against you. Um, and so I think that happens a lot. These are highly expendable people and, uh, and, and they get expended. Um, I'm not convinced Ashley Babbitt got shot. I think she's probably dead, but I'm not convinced she got shot on the scene. There's too many problems with this, this, the crime scene. I, I spent a lot of time looking at it, trying to figure it out. Um, I know I said I only go for like an hour. I'm happy to keep going, man. I'm having a fucking blast. Keep going. Keep right. going. I don't care. Okay, well, on that note, I'm going to do what I do every podcast about an hour in. I'm going to go to the bathroom, and you're going to monologue. Oh. Welcome to DaveCast. Hi, monologuing. Okay. Um, let us talk about um, – let's talk about the collapsing economic system. Um, uh, if you look at markets, uh, it's pretty clear that um, – that the average equity market is about um, somewhere around 115 to 125% overvalued. And the, uh, and, uh, and regression of the mean is a force of nature. This is, this is what got me into this game originally. And, uh, and so at some point we will give that back. So uh, um, a bubble, or should we say overvaluation is appreciation pulled forward. It's appreciation you will not get in the future. Uh, undervaluation is deferred appreciation. So if you happen to be sitting in undervalued markets, then then at some point in the future, it'll regress to the mean and you will get that appreciation. So uh, so right now for 120, 130% overvalued, um, then we're looking at at least a sort of a 60% correction. Um, we're looking at uh, if it does damage, we're looking at worse because don't forget correction of the mean doesn't make sense. You got to spend time below the mean and therefore it could be a 75, 80, even 85, 90% correction even. Uh, what is spooky about these particular markets um, is that, uh, is that the, there's a bubble in every asset class with, with the exception of very few uh, I've been thinking about Russia, and then this morning when I talked to my buddy from Switzerland, he, without provocation, he said, you should buy RSX, which is a Russian mutual fund, which I own. It's a closed-end fund. Um, and uh, so so here's the problem with this bubble. It's too broadly based, and it's uh, – and it's uh, – um, um, it's uh, um, um, we're going into it. In an unusual way, most uh, financial bubbles we go into euphorically. So the mortgage equity bubble or the the the, the dot com bubble, a society is usually partying with no brakes on the car. Right. Um, this one we are going into not only more overvalued than any previous bubble, uh, we're going into it grumpier than shit. 
everyone's unhappy. So now you take a populace which is unhappy. They're pissed at COVID. They're pissed at their lot in life. They're pissed at inflation. They're pissed at everything. Um, authoritarianism. And then you say, oh, by the way, we're going to gut you for 65% of your net worth. Then you are going to end up with a very, very unpleasant period of time. So there you go. Thank you for monologuing. That was Dave Cast, which is a preview for your podcast. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so why wasn't why wasn't Ashley Babbitt killed? Or, uh, um, or what, shot, what's the shot, evidence? Sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, no. And I'm I'm as, I, open-mindedly. I, as I just said, I'm. Well, I, I think don't that believe Ashley Babbitt, anymore. not knowing what the chaos would bring, I think Ashley Babbitt might have been a setup to make sure they had a headline moment. Sure. And so, so, so to think, yeah, we got to have something to put on the headlines. Now it's a little, it's not perfect because, um, because she got shot by the establishment. So you can say, you know, that's, that's not a good setup. Um, if you watch all the footage around the Babbitt shooting, there's just a lot of things that don't add up. I have no smoking guns, excuse the term. Um, but if you look, for example, she, she, she took a shoulder shot. It was debated. It was said to be a neck shot, and then a shoulder shot back and forth. You, you never, then finally, the Department of Justice signed off on the shoulder shot. So we say, okay, it's a shoulder shot then. Um, she died, therefore, from a bleed out, right? Shoulder shots don't kill you except for getting bled out, is my understanding. Uh, they were doing stuff like CPR. That was a good thing. CPR with a bleed out. Oh, just, oh, every time we push down, it squirts up. What are the odds? Um, there's just very, very strange things. There's like, there's a, what first got me on it was a group called Woo's News. It's way off, off, off Broadway internet. It's dark, dark internet. The guy goes through all the footage and, and, and there's just things that just don't make sense. So one guy's trying to peel back. First of all, she's down and no one's providing health care. No one is providing health care. They're not peeling back her shirt, looking for the wound. They're not putting pressure on the wound. They're just yelling and screaming. That's all they're doing. Some guy opens a medical kit and he's opening it up and he find, and the guy, and the first, the first footage I saw, the Woos News guys, which got me started. He's narrating, he's going, look at that guy. He can't seem to get that, that gauze open. And he's, and he's, he, it's total free association. The guy's just winging it. And then they finally get the gauze open and and the guy wipes off her jacket with it. I'm going, what was that? And there's some lady there who somehow got in the scene and she's got this dazed and confused look on her face and she says they're all just acting. And, and so then you, you watch some guy, the guy who smashed in the window that Ashley Babbitt went through. First of all, the cops are standing in the way. Then all of a sudden they step out of the way. Then the guy smashes through the window. Once he breaks through the window, what's his next move? He'd go through, right? This is the rabid, deplorable, trying to get in the building, right? Now, he breaks through the window. He goes scampering down the stairwell, pulls down his backpack, takes off his shirt, changes his shirt. He changes his clothes right there on film. And, uh, and then um, she gets shot. There's no splatter marks. I've had gun experts tell me, no, you don't have to have splatter marks. I've, I've had people tell me why you don't have to, but I'm going, yeah, but the coincidences are starting to add up. Um, they carry her down the stairs, right? Now, this is the Capitol building where you know there are medical facilities, right? 
You know they have gurneys because they got a bunch of old farts who could kill over any minute. They, yeah. They've got paddles. They've got everything they need in that place. Well, regardless of old they, or young, if they're all VIPs. Right. And uh, and they take her down the stairs, which are, by the way, empty. And she's still got her backpack on. They're carrying her down the stairs, dragging her with their backpack on. Right? They haven't even peeled off her backpack to lay her flat to deal with her right there. And I know a lot about medical emergencies, it turns out. I've had a lot of personal experience with it. And, uh, and, and they just don't act that way. They deal with the problem right there on the spot. And they try to stabilize the person before doing anything. And then, again, the CPR on the way out the door. And next thing you know, um, and, and you watch the footage and everyone looks fake. You know, if if someone's freaked out, you can see it. There's an authenticity to the freak out, right? You can see it. You can see them revved. You can see their eyes bugging. And the guys, they they just, they're not freaked out. They're fake. And so I was going to write about it, but I realized it's something I couldn't write about. It wasn't a writable moment. And so I provided a bunch of links and just said, "Go, go look for yourself if you're interested. It's fucked up. Yeah. Now, I'm not positive. I wouldn't want to stake my life on it's fucked up. I wrote about the Vegas shootings. Yeah. And I think it was I think it was one of the best write-ups of them all. Maybe there's a book out there that's done a better job, but at the time I, I nailed it. I, I did better than anybody. I interviewed a survivor from there. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, what did they say? His I mean, you can tell he's like a genuine because he even says he's Oh, like, I so, know they got shot. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Well that's shot. what I mean. Is like this is you can tell this is a guy because I mean he even says he's like so much of it's just clouded. Like he fig- a lot of what his story is is like he pieced it together because like he saw himself on the news. He was like, I don't even remember like loading injured it's people. It's just a blur. Because he was loading injured yeah, right. people into his truck and bringing him. He was like, I didn't even realize he's like I recognized my What was my, his name? Oh fuck Don't I'll tell be- me it's Mike Crock. No. No, 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 okay. no. It's I can't even seven hundred episodes, but yet he's okay. from, he was there. He was there. So, so here's what I saw. This Aaron, is, I, a- Aaron, we were, we were, Aaron, the view, D E V E I W. So we were all watching this, right? A friend of mine, digital friend, was actually in the Mandalay Bay bar, and he said he was on Twitter. He actually said people are just rushing in the bar. Something fucked up is happening, right? So, um, so I'm watching this footage right after it and they're interviewing this guy named Mike Crock and he's talking about his friend getting shot in the chest three times now I'll tell you subsequent to that I've been told by a marksman there's no fucking way that someone spraying an AR-15 is going to hit you three times from that distance. that distance yeah right he said a marksman would have to aim three times to hit you three times from that distance sure but Mike Cronk, that's the, at that point, I didn't know that. But Mike Cronk is talking about it. He's not looking very emotional. Back to the authenticity problem. But people can be misread. Malcolm Gladwell talks about that in his most recent book. But what happens is he says that his friend stuck his fingers in his own bullet holes to stop the bleeding. I go, I don't think so, Mike. That's some comical. That's some comical that's some, bullshit. That's some wily so then, coyote. Right away, you go... Why is Mike lying? Yeah. It doesn't even have to, right? it doesn't even matter what the lie is. It goes, why? Yeah. Why is he lying? Why is he lying? And so they talk about putting him on the back of a cart, on a cart, wheeling him out. And then, as YouTube does, 
it's it, I'm not paying attention. It scrolls 15 seconds and then it goes to the next interview. New interview, still Mike Cron. Mike tells the story again. He's looking a little more emotional. His story is drifting. He put him on a truck this time. And then it rolls again, 15 more seconds, and there's Mike Cronk again. So we're getting our entire ABC, NBC, CBS news feed through Mike Cronk. Hmm. So then what happens is I, I get on it. Then I start looking at the story, and I start looking at cab drivers who are talking about how they're shooting out of here, not here, and you know, a sort of live footage. And, and, and you can hear multiple shooting. You can hear... And, and guys actually took audios and said, look, look at the audio. There's one gun right there. There's the other gun superimposed right there, pulling it all apart. Um, but what happens is then I see a video of Mike Kronk visiting his friend in the hospital. Now, there were a couple of hospital visits. While I'm reading, while I'm watching various hospital visits, I'm reading stories about surgeons saying there's something wrong here. You get hit with that sucker, you're gonna bleed out right on the battlefield. Yeah. And and they said, you know, you get you get hit in the thigh with something like that, you're gonna have any between wrong, five yeah. and ten surgeries to repair it and this and that. I don't know if what they're telling me is correct. For all I know, those are the PSYOP guys, right? And uh, but then they go visit Mike Crock with a news crew. Uh, Mike Crock visits his friend. And there's his friend, what, two days later. What would his friend look like getting two, three shots in the chest with an AR-15? Well, first of all, there'd be no news crew in that room. Yeah. It would be an ICU. There'd be beeping and honking and blipping and a, a machine. You would not know he was alive except there was a fucking screen that showed you there yeah, was still yeah. That's all you'd know. Because he would yeah. be in some, he'd be in an induced coma probably, right? And so, uh, so there's his friend with... The, the nasal cannula oxygen chatting with him. Well, that's pretty good with holes in your fucking lungs. Hmm. And he's chatting with him and he's smiling and Mike's talking to him. And then I look up and I go, look at that. The screen is blank. It's not even plugged in. The screen showing all the fucking basics is not plugged in. So the whole thing's fake. My wife's had 59 surgeries. I do know what the inside of a hospital yeah. room looks like at this point. They don't disconnect that machine until you put your fucking shoes on. Yeah, until, until you, they have a person that walks you off yeah. the property. Yeah. You go like, from the machine to the wheelchair to the curb. I mean, there is someone that walks you off so that you don't slip on your way out. Insurance. Well, they, they tend to wheel you out. Well, that's exactly, that's, they, what, that's yeah. what I mean. No, sorry. Yeah. They wheel right. you out so you can't slip. And, and so, so there's the machine off. They interviewed some other girl who got hit in the thigh and she's just sitting there chatting in her chair, recovering. You know, and the story just wasn't holding up. And then then you find out that the, the key witness is this Hispanic. The security uh, guard security that goes guard. on a fucking with Ellen his with handler, his handle. I can't remember. His, with his Ho handler. Jose. Twice. Twice they show up. His hand. I saw his handler in several different pieces of footage. I go, that handler gets around. Yeah, that. And so then no he 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 his handler, um, uh, the security guard, turns out to have two names and two social security numbers by chance. Yeah. And then uh, journalists try to go see the guy, and his house is surrounded with cars that have no license plates. And 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 then. He disappears to Mexico. 
And this is the official story. He disappears to Mexico. And it's like, oh, I get it. Um, and and the, the, the news story said, well, he had planned this trip. And I go, well, when you get back, we got some questions for you. Right? Would you let the key witness go off to his fucking vacation in Mexico? I don't think so. The only right? guy it's that a big saw moment. It's the biggest shooting since since the Civil War. But you know what's weird? So, yeah. To me, the big thing about all of it was, why is that not the poster child for the, the anti-Second Guns. Amendment people? Every, because they fucked up the whole thing. Every, they don't dare let it become every, the, the, the poster child. Every time, and I'm not making light of it, every time two people get shot at a concert... Or a, a five person or ten people get killed at a group. Heartbreaking, I get it. It's plastered everywhere, and it's we, we need bills today. And Biden goes out and gives a speech about how we got a d- d- fifty nine people with arguably a belt fed, and there's not a single goddamn camera angle of it in Las Vegas. Shot. I know, I know. And so then I'm watching interviews of Steve Wynn, who who was prior to the shooting saying how he has an entire Navy SEAL team on site at all times so that if something bad goes down, those guys can strike. Because there's a lot of money in Vegas, I hear. And, uh, and so, so there's, just this, there's nothing about the story. The guy supposedly uh, panicked, made money playing video on, poker or something. Poker. It's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, online poker. It's like, so someone did the analysis and said, yeah, you know, that's just like one in 10 million chance you could ever do that. So then the final piece of resistance was an article by ABC News that said his hard drive was missing. Now, the other articles that showed, by the way, there was an extra, there was an extra power cord in the room that didn't match his equipment. The chief of police had said, no, no one person could do this. Then within a day or two was saying, yeah, it was one guy. And didn't that guy disappear for like 24 hours? The chief of police? I don't know. You don't remember that? I lost. He he went MIA. No one knew where he he went missing. That was a huge thing. The chief of police went missing for like 36 hours (laughs) and then just waltzed on back home to see the old wifey. Probably with 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 electrode burns on his ass exactly um so, MK Ultra <laughs> so then then so so the audio guys analyzed the bullets there was no question there was guns everywhere um but this missing hard drive the way i wrote it up i said don't you hate it when you lose your hard drive <laughs> and then the article goes on to say but this is not that weird and i go oh this is going to be fun tell me why this is not that weird and it turns out they, they mentioned about four or five of the other shooters and I recognized a couple, one I didn't remember, but I'm sure I read about it at the time. They said their hard drives were missing too. And I go, oh, I feel much better now. Oh, coincidence. So mass murderers all take their hard drives out. That explains it, right? But And his wife lived in the Philippines and were like, a, at the time was like an ISIS hotbed. And uh, he owned, didn't that one, he used to own a plane with the same tail number that before he owned it and after he owned it, it was owned by the DOD. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then the security guard reappears from Mexico, goes on Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres show. With no one in the she audience. Explicitly says, no one, she explicitly <laughs> says, I know this is horrible. I know this is the only interview you are ever going to do. Because she has a crystal ball. She knows. The guy, the guy's staring at his feet. He's lying his ass off. Barely saying anything, and there's his handler again. 
There he is again. And uh, and he's doing most of the talking. He's looking pretty chipper in the handler. He's probably and, got and so, I, I imagine in those situations they have like uh they've somehow managed to uh miniaturize C four and they maybe just have something at the base of your base of your skull. And it's just stick to <laughs> stick to the script, buddy. Just stick to the script. Yeah, stick to the script or you're you're gonna be in the movie scanners. Yeah, it's it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna explode. But I mean but to me, all of that aside is just how come this story isn't the front for it? How come? Because they blew it. Well, because it's too messy. To me, to me, messy. you don't even need to go into other. You, you you do, but you don't. You just go fifty nine killed at a music festival from a hotel. You go there. You know the, where I think the shots came from? You know where I think they came from? I think they came from helicopters that were hovering behind the building. I think they were shooting from 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 the two from two corners behind points. the building. Just silencers, yeah. flash hiders. I don't. I don't know. No, no, I mean, it could, be, it could be done. There were helicopters lurking up there. It could be. There done. were helicopters lurking up there, and it was under Trump. You, they would never let that go. Yes, <laughs> I think it got too messy. They said we can't. We can't run with this. Well, that's what I mean. So it's like, and then once you get to that, people go, "Well, what is the conspiracy?" Well, I don't know. Just because you point out the bullshit in the story doesn't mean you claim to know the answer. You just go, it's not adding up. I don't know right. what it is. So, so, so I'm, I'm still on earphones, so we can chat. You just can't see me. So you can go okay. to your screen or whatever. Yeah. And uh, well, so there's that. Um, I keep trying to replay the tape on events in history that could be suspicious that I do believe. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a terrible time coming up with the good ones. So if I replay the tape, I go, okay, so you got the Gulf of Tonkin and shit like that. Um, you got the Liberty, which I don't know anything about. USS Liberty, yeah. I just know that it seems to go uncontested and unexplained by yeah. the official narrative. James Bamford, um, James Bamford has a, a semi-decent explanation, and it's that it was we were picking up uh, Israeli war crimes. Because at the time they were, and, they and were, why would they? Why would they shoot the? Why would they try to sink the Liberty? It, because I, it was an NSA uh, reconnaissance ship. Oh, it's so because, that, you know what the story behind Building Seven is, by the way. Building Seven had a bunch of spook shit in it. Well, yeah, the, it, was, it was the emergency command. It was the emergency uh, command center for New York Secret Service, right. FBI. That's where uh, that's where the mayor was supposed to be like whisked off to. Yeah, it's for the uh, James Bamford talks about it. I don't remember what it is. It's I think Puzzle Palace or Body of Secrets or it's one of his books. Yeah. But it's um his whole thing is that, and I don't remember who, but Israel was they were fighting someone, and apparently there was a lot of like wholesale slaughter of like surrendered. Uh, combatants and uh, yeah. the USS Liberty wasn't there for that. It was there for something else, but just so happened to pick it up. And they think that's why they came out and attacked knowing that whoever it was under wouldn't have, it would look better for him to just call it a, whatever president it was under, it would look better for them to call it a, a green on green, like mistake than to come out guns right. blazing it. It, even Bamford's explanation isn't terribly good, but it's the only attempt at one I've heard. Right. 
then you get you go all, go all the way back to World War One and the Lusitania. Sure, yeah. it looks like a setup. They were shipping armaments and baiting uh, the Germans to sink them, and they did. Next thing we know, we're in a war that shouldn't have been ours. Uh, um, I think the case for you know sort of holding the door open for Pearl Harbor is pretty strong. Yeah, all the old I, ships. I, I, they were all well, the they, oldest. They had. They had no one in a guard tower anywhere, right? Yeah. They had no plane spotters or anything, and they knew there was shit happening. And so, you know, at some point, you have to say, look, admirals were sending letters saying, get them the fuck out of Pearl Harbor. They're going to die in there. And they just ignored them. And, you know, I think during, during that era, you know, I think these guys believed they were doing the right thing. I think that's I'm an not, important distinction. Is I, I think a lot of them were true believers. Right. I'm not convinced I know what they believe now. So the, the bad guys who are doing these things, I'm, I'm not convinced. It's, so, for example, you say, well, how would you? So, so the mis, one of the mysteries of 2021 is how we blew Afghanistan so badly, right? Uh, I mean, we, we, we blew it so badly that, that, a, that a Mr. Mr. Rogers and his audience could concoct a better escape plan. Do you want my do you want my conspiracy for that? Well, there's a whole bunch, but go ahead, let it rip. Mine is that we saw the Soviet Union. That's where empires go to die. We saw the Soviet Union try it between what seventy nine and eight or whenever didn't work. We tried it for two decades, saw it didn't work. The worst word were and then the new right with the EVs. It's going to be rare earth minerals and all the lithiums there, which is you know all the oils there, and now the new things all there. I think we looked at it as. Uh, we're going to bait China into going to occupy it. And instead of arming the rebels like the Mujahideen, we just preemptively armed them and left $80 billion. Well, I think it was, a, it was clearly an arms deal. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. A hundred percent. We left pallets, a hundred dollar bills. We left them money to help, you don't you know, pay for ammo. I've, I've interviewed uh-huh. Delta force guys. They say that you don't leave a can yeah. opener behind you. No, no. And, and I even came up with a couple of plans. I said, I had two plans. I said, here's how you do it. You got two choices. One is you have what I call, a BSUP, blow shit up, BSUF, blow shit up Friday. And you provide a couple of kegs of beer and you give them all the, the, the handheld shit. And you just say, start blowing shit up. We're going to party tonight. And uh, alternatively, you drag it all out in the open and drop a mob on top of the whole fucking mm-hmm. thing when the last wheels go up. And it's trivial. Well, so we didn't. Why did we do it in such a humiliating way? It's a good point. I was going to say with blowing – I've interviewed Mike Durant, the Black Hawk down pilot. Those guys went in with thermite grenades and got the old wrecked Blackhawks. I've interviewed Marines or yeah, a Marine. Right. I interviewed a Marine that was at Kabul while it happened. And he talked about – he's like, yeah, no, we'd never leave stuff behind. But you're right. That's right. Why and we th- supposedly left dogs behind yeah. just to calibrate. But right? you're right. Why humiliating? Why not just – It was humiliating. I mean it was humiliating. So then you think, well, this is just propaganda. But then all of a sudden, you know, Jen Pasak puppet um, stands up there at the microphone and says, we got 90% of people out. We want to get out. I'm going, 10% not a small number. Yeah. 10% of people didn't get out. So here, this gets to the even weirder question, in my opinion. We left a bunch of people behind. What happened? Yeah. No one, it just. Where are they? Where are the news stories? If you say, oh, they're suppressing you, I go, you're telling me some mother and father wouldn't be on fucking Tucker Carlson saying, hey, my fucking son died, my fucking daughter's still over there, I don't want her to marry an Afghan guy, right? Yeah. So where? So what was that all about? 
How, how do you leave a pile of Americans back in what should have been, you know, around hostage crisis 2.0 mm-hmm. on top of the Bay of Pinks 2.0 times 100, right? Just the whole thing should have been the biggest clusterfuck of American history. And it's gone. Unless the president it, is is compromised by China. And what a well, great, he is. We know he is. And so no, we know he is. So what would be a great propaganda win? The bumbling uh, US. The question, though, is. The, so did we not leave Americans behind? I don't know. I don't know. Because you're right. That kind of never came up. It just. We they just, 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 the new, they new, just went cycle. away. We got most of them. So the we end. talked about the Taliban like they were legitimate. So you could right away, you could see the position of the Taliban to be <laughs> the new. And the caretakers. image of all the Taliban guys. One of the Delta Force guys texted me and he goes, what the fuck? It's all the Taliban guys with the guns. Perfect trigger discipline. And the, he pointed it out. He goes, that's an $80,000 thermal scope. And they're all sitting there and he goes, like, that's some Langley shit, man. They've got the. <laughs> I know. The other thing, I put up a tweet where I showed a picture of the three guys inside the Capitol building. Oh, yeah. Talking to a cop and those guys next to each other. Yeah. Now, what made it so funny was two of the guys, one of the Taliban guys and the guy wearing a beige shirt in the middle of the of the January 6th guys. Look like brothers. They were dressed the same. They were identical. The tweet I wrote, in the tweet I wrote, I said, it's a razor-thin margin between between an insurrection being suppressed or becoming a total disaster. We should take pause to thank our lucky stars. It didn't turn out bad. Now, here's the problem. A bunch of right-wingers got mad because they didn't pick up the sarcasm, and a bunch of left-wingers got mad because they did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's – it's the whole thing was just – I think it was Tim Kennedy, that Green Beret, he tweeted. He was like, so you're telling me all the Taliban heads, they're posting pictures. They're all in one building, just all together. Right. We couldn't take them out. They're In just, fact, we didn't even we even know what building. Yeah, we they're right there. <laughs> I mean, isn't that is, is that not the plot of uh, Inglorious Bastards? The high command is all in yeah. one place. That's right. This is a Tarantino setup, right? Isn't here. this why we have the the designated survivor during like State of the Union and inaugurations? Is just so that right. you can't do decapitation. Right. They're all right, right there. Right. There they are. There they are. Probably. Who knows? Who knows? But the point is, it was done so badly. General Flynn also said, we're not that incompetent. Yeah. So what in, does incompetence help cover up the arms deal? Well, that was already known. I mean, we were tweeting about the arms deal before they pulled out. They're talking about how they're going to leave the arms behind. You go, what do you mean you're going to leave the arms behind? Right. So so the arms deal was self-evident. Yeah. So what you know, there's nothing to cover. I mean, it was just so obvious. Maybe that's the easy part. Well, there's you can go at it. You can go. You can go incompetence. Joe Biden's stupid, which is kind of the easy. Haha, <laughs> Biden dumb. I don't like. Well, Biden. except for he's not in charge either. He's well, that's what I mean. Boy. That's what I mean. Is as much as I don't like Biden, I don't fall into the oh he's stupid. I'm like, listen, whoever's in charge is in fucking charge. Like, so let's stop. But it's not Harris. It's not Obama. Let's either. stop the whole politician. I don't like wears diapers. This is more evolved than you can imagine. So is it just that's right. right? So is it just is it just China? Okay, there's one aspect. The other aspect is we leaving weapons behind to arm the future Mujahideen to fight in occupying China. 
the more low-hanging fruit is we left them weapons so that we've got a reason to go back in. But if we're already there for 20 years, why the fuck wouldn't you just stay longer? Oh, did you see the Biden speech he gave about 10 or 15 years ago where he stands up there in Congress saying, if we leave the weapons behind, they'll be shooting our own kids with them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that works well, Joe. Yeah, but so you got to start thinking, what is the purpose to this? Um, the, uh, and it's some layer of the onion that I have not successfully gotten to. The Dead Hand by uh, David Hoffman all about the Soviets' kind of nuclear retaliatory system. In it, there's something that has nothing to do with the rest of the book, but it's about how we knew that the Soviets had infiltrated um, um, some Canadian, like, defense contractors or something. I don't remember exactly what it was. Defense contractors that we were supplying, like, chips to. And we found out about it, and some guys at the CIA were like, hey, let's not blow the cover on this. Let's keep feeding them the chips, and every once in a while we'll spike something. And then they went from right. just buying chips to also buying like domestic stuff for their oil refineries, for their their railroad switching stations. Right. And we start looking at this. We go, good, good, good. And then every once in a while, we would just kind of do like a Stuxnet. We would just kind of make sure that something fucked up, right? Just destroy the already right. fragile Soviet economy. It actually led to, at a gas uh, refinery, it actually led to the biggest non-nuclear explosion detected from space because of one of our things. And it was so classified that some guy from the CIA actually had to come into the Reagan White House and go, it wasn't nuclear. I'll read you in. This is what we are doing. Do we so, leave a bunch um, of equipment behind knowing full well China, who are already want our intellectual property with defense contractors, can't keep their sticky fingers off of a bunch of Blackhawk avionics? Did we feed them spiked crap. avionic software and hardware? Could be. I, I, I go so deep in the onion that at times I wonder if they're even our opponents. Oh, dude. well, that's kind of like the final red veil as you go. Well, that's right. You go. Are we even? Well, so so so. Here, here's 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 China. I think China owns all our politicians. Biden is crystal clear, right? They did. They not only have the laptop, they created the laptop, right? But there has not been a single conversation in China, probably in the last twenty years, that hasn't been fully recorded. Right, yeah. but, but uh, of anyone of any importance, which means, therefore, all of and if I, 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 right now I'm in the middle of um, the book I'm in the middle of right now is uh, is uh, Peter Schweitzer's um, Red Handed. Okay, and it's not transformational because it's sort of like he kind of knew it, but it's this overwhelming heap of debris about who's who's working for what consulting firm for which Chinese company to, you know, and after a while you go, it's just so dirty. It's just so dirty. Now here's what happens though, is they don't, and this is where the guy, Rogan number 1780, the guy digs into, he, he kind of gets at and doesn't quite flesh it out, but I know where he was going to go with it is that they don't need to own people right away. All, all they need to do is get them to, to go on the, get the VIG, at some level and then they own it because you can't fess up that you took money from China. Yeah. So China can rat you out. So they got you once they give you money. Yeah. In fact, there's a famous story about Nixon where the Saudi showed up in his office, in the Oval Office. And when they left, they left a briefcase with a million bucks in it. And they waited to see if the phone would ring and it didn't ring. And they said, okay, we're good to go now. 
And so this, it was the Saudis' way of testing whether Nixon wanted to be buddies with them. And um, and so so I think I think that the uh, that you would discover that almost any politician of any consequence at this point has Chinese ties. And then you have to think, if I'm the CIA, implying that they they are not just total anti-American. Let's say they are. Let's just go out on that limb and say they're still for us. I'm not sure, but okay. Me neither. Well, I'm not sure they're not for globalism. That's what I mean. That, that's what, I'm not sure that... Well, but let me make a case for globalism. It's conceivable these guys but, are believers saying, look, we can either blow ourselves up or we can become one world. Well, yeah, you might Thucydides trap. What I was going to say, though, is if right. you're the CIA... Trap, yeah. If you're the CIA and you find out this politician is... Uh, is taking money from China and they can't fess up. And you know, this you come to them and say, all right, now we've got you keep playing ball with China because now we've got blackmail on you. You're going to do whatever the fuck we say. That's right. We, now we this don't is, even have you know, to blackmail. The whole you. Epstein story was all about this, right? How many a thousand fucking guys were, were trapped by yeah. Epstein and Jiz Maxwell. And what's great is that, that, um, is that various people are getting sued by, Joffrey or whatever her name is, because it, you know Prince Andrews had to settle out of court, right? He doesn't want to go to trial. We know that part. Um, I think there's probably at least a thousand guys who could be who've been honey trapped by Epstein, 100%. and and that's a thousand prominent people. So you remember when Cernovic, um uh, did a FOIA on some Epstein shit? So it was it was back when the Epstein case was going pretty strong, the Epstein story. Cernovic did a did a FOIA and it turns and he was he was ranting about how he got the data and then he didn't give us anything. And the 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 the, the rumor out there was that he actually was a front man for Dershowitz hmm. to do the FOIA to find out what they had on Dershowitz. Ah. And therefore, he made as much press as he could because he's he's a pretty prominent Twitter hound and news hound. And, you know, we're all looking for our 10 minutes of fame at some level. Um, and and but then we got nothing. Then we got nothing. Do you think? And so that made sense. Do you think Epstein was do you think it was CIA or do you think it was Mossad? It might have been multiple. Do we know they're different? No, we, we don't, no, right? We don't. we don't. We know they work together. Absolutely. Right. We know they talk to each other. We know they, right? This is this is uh, General Mas- Milley talking to the Chinese general, right? The Mossad is- made a, the higher-ups at the Mossad made a, like, nice marble and gold memoriam, like, gravestone for CIA counterintelligence chief James Jesus Angleton. For his work for <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. In Israel. I didn't know that. In I Israel. Didn't know that. Because a lot, a, lot of, a lot of nuclear material made it to Israel under Anglin's watch. So I think the Mossad, is it the Mossad or Mossad? It's kind of like Ukraine. We never know where to is put it, a thought in Is there. it the moon or moon? It doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Or, or is it college? Are, are you going to college or are you going to university? Yeah, it doesn't right? matter. If you're in Canada, you go to university. If you're in if you're in the United States, you go to college. I can just imagine um, you getting interrogated by the Mossad and you going, is it the Mossad or, and then that's just when you get yeah, like the know, first wrench know, to exactly. the balls. I, they, they'd end up surrendering. Um, <laughs> so, so I think they're probably the best. Pro, yeah. My guess is they're the best. 
in part because they've got a huge grip on Silicon Valley. And if you're buying a chip from any country, there's something in that chip that you don't want. Yeah. Right. There really is yeah. something. Um, oh, by the way, this 1780 podcast that he's talking about, um, he talks about um, central bank digital currency. You certainly have gotten an earful on, on digital currencies through the years. There's no way to avoid it. I'm a no-coiner who's done more podcasts with hodlers than you can shake a stick at. I am a target. They want me to become a hodler. I'm like the target, I think. I've had on um, so many people to explain NFTs and crypto to me, and I'm still not sold. Well, I think NFTs are bullshit. So uh, cryptos, I'm cryptos. I'm fine with. NFTs are a bad joke. This, which is um, which is why I want to get on get in on the grift. But but Sorry, here's the going. second. Here's here's the second metaphor. I think the cryptos could be the screen pass too. I think I think crypto is I think crypto is a, a like an intelligence thing. Well, so the first white paper on crypto supposedly was written by three NSA guys. Well, you there's sorry I keep interrupting you. Keep going. I'll, I'll say my theories after. Well, yeah, you're welcome. To, we're just having a conversation. No, I, I, I get excited. I, I start interrupting. It's um, so do I. It's, so do I. It's so, I. so if crypto, I think could be sort of sort of a free market beta test of something they're working on. So if they can get us acclimated to crypto, then we get acclimated to digital. Next thing we know, we get central bank digital currency. Now, here's the part that I didn't understand until, and this this shows you that I've got huge gaps because I'm sure everyone else knew this. The, The hodlers must have known this. The central bank digital currencies are referred to as programmable. You heard that phrase? I mean, I know the term, like, as a definition. No, no, but no, no, not for banking. application. No, no. The claim is that programmable digital currency means they can make sure that whatever that digital currency is, they can target what it's usable for. Okay. So, for example, you get a programmable digital currency, which they say, look, you can use it for for food Food and rent, but you can't use it for beer. Or the movies. You can't use it to buy a gun. Yeah. All right. You can't use it to buy a car or this or that. And they've actually explicitly stated, apparently, that this is – for things that are acceptable by either the employer or the government. I'm going, holy shit, that's the creepiest goddamn thing. I thought the central bank digital currency would be dangerous because all your wealth is now tied up in a digital currency that the central bank can debase or do whatever they want. That nightmare scenario has been playing out in my head for probably five, six, seven years because they can do monetary policy in the most destructive way imaginable if you can't escape the bank, Mm -hmm. which cash allows you to escape. Mm -hmm. Um, So in any case, programmable digital currency means that all of a sudden you're a trucker and you can't use the fucking Bitcoin because, or the, or the, 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 the the sovereign digital currency for gasoline Mm -hmm. for diesel or whatever. We're already seeing this shit up in Canada today. And so uh, so that was a very spooky wake-up call for me, the idea that they would be able to program whatever currency you have. Now, someone else told me another horror story. They said, you know, we could end up in a legal nightmare because if you own stolen goods, you don't get a break, right? If you buy a car from someone, it's stolen, you're losing the car, right? Mm-hmm. What, if you, what if you get a, a Bitcoin? that had been stolen. Yeah. Now, if I were a hodler, I'd be nervous about the following. We keep hearing about 
thefts, which should scare you because they're supposed to be kind of bulletproof, and recovery of the Bitcoin by the FBI. If the FBI can recover the Bitcoin, it ain't that secret. No. And as a consequence, it means they know where all these Bitcoins are and what they're doing. You're not sitting there in some secret society with your secret handshake. And so then consequently, it doesn't offer the super duper coolest part that everyone talks about. And that's autonomy from the state. And even if it did, if the state says, look, you're going you're gonna to go to jail if we catch you using crypto, most people are going to go, I'm done. They go, but that's the beauty. They can't stop us. They go, you go to a car dealer and that guy's not going to sell you a car. If it's illegal to sell you a car with Bitcoin, unless we have a collapse of the system. And then that becomes the currency, sort of a uh, grassroots growth grown currency. But that's after the apocalypse. That's a, that's a post-apocalypse thing. I think it was introduced to get us all on board with it because that's how you get people in. That's right. It's, it's like the idea of like how, how does the U.S. expand to go all the way to the West? You tell everyone there's gold out there and then a bunch of guys get out. On, <laughs> like a bunch of guys get in wagons and go out and they get out there and they realize there's nothing there. But it took three months to get here. So fuck it. I live here now. And now, if you, yeah. now if you live here and you get attacked by Indians, well, hey, Uncle Sam's to the rescue. Next thing you know – Fuck it, it's ours. By the way, great book, Under the Summer Moon, is a, is, a, is a history of the West with a focus on the Comanches. Okay. And I thought it was brilliant because it, it's not, it, I didn't sense a bias. You never know if it's there, but I didn't sense a bias. So it wasn't white men are bad, it wasn't Indians are bad. Yeah. It was just clash of civilizations. And the, the brawling and the and the mess that were created and how the power balance is shifting around. It's it's a print. It is the best sort of history of the West I've ever read. Right, I'll make a note of that one too. Damn. Called uh, Under the Summer Moon, I think it is. I can look it up to make sure. Under the Summer Moon. Um, no, I'll find it. Under. Now it talks about it. I'm gonna it make. Talks about, like, I'm also gonna make a note of two books. I'm going to send you Poisoner in Chief about Sidney Gottlieb, MK Ultra, and uh, send me the names. Don't yeah, send me a book. I have guys send me books. I got a stack of books behind me, right? I will Can you see this over my left, over this, over the side, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From no. your perspective, my left side, there's yeah, yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. stack. Those are authors. I will me send books. you my the, my two favorite books I've read on. I've heard on Audible. Just the names, just right? the links. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Under the summer moon. No, that's. No, that's not it. I gotta. I'll find it right no, here. Yeah, I no, might have been. No, no. I'll I'll email you these books, these links, and that will remind, with a request for the other. That will remind yeah. you. Yeah, but your listeners, your listeners, oh, that's true. Want to hear the names now? So that's, hold on. I'll be I'll be close. It'll only take me a second. Here. You're fine. So I go to my library. I'm about to read Hannah Arendt's book on the origins of totalitarianism, which might be tedious, but I gotta yeah. read it. Um, everyone's got to read the real Anthony Fauci. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's a it is a horror story. You will not believe how bad it. Empire of the, of the Summer Moon. Empire, Empire of the, of the Summer, Summer Moon. Moon. Another great one. If you want a break, you want to get your brain to wind down a little bit. Brett Weinstein's book. Uh, Brett Weinstein, Heather Hyings book. Um, the Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the Twenty First Century is great. Okay. It's an easy listen. Um, it's it's uh, 
The other, another really good one um, was Josh Rogan's Un- Chaos Under Heaven. Chaos Under Heaven is 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 a great sort of primer on China. Okay. He's a New York Times journalist. Um, okay. You know what? You know it's like when you read a book and six months later you can't tell me one thing in that book. You get that? Well, those are the only books I recommend to people. Is the ones that stick out in my because I like I keep so I just went went back earlier and I pulled up the Excel spreadsheet and there's a lot of books. I think I've read 52 books last year, which is what I aim for one a week. And I realized there's only a handful of them that really stuck out in my mind. So if I can't recall it off the top of my head, then I'm like, it's not worth recommending. So here's one that drove me nuts. I I listen to I don't I don't read books anymore. I just I can't, sort of no, I read a whole book. Yeah, yeah, audible. I, I cannot yeah. do it. So you know, ten minutes each way to work. I drive. I'm driving to New York City on Wednesday. That'll give me well, a whole you, book almost. You got right? you got to start at. I wake up and I start at one point five speed, and I set oh, an yeah. alarm. And every ten minutes, I bump it up by point one. And you get acclimated to oh, it. Oh man, you are getting Alvin in the chipmunks. Oh, I do no, about one point five. Oh no, no, you just gotta you gotta go up every ten minutes, and you can't tell the difference. Next thing you know, you're burning at two point. That's about where it tops out for me. You go two point five, and just run go get oh, groceries, go to the gym. Oh my! You can't God, start at two point five. Subliminal you, message. You, you gotta get you gotta get acclimated. You can okay, start. Tear, gonna, I'll try that. You, I'll try that. You can tear Another good them. book, which is not a brilliant book, but it's a great message and a sticky message. I call it sticky phrase you're talking about turns out to, to for a book to be sticky there has to be a narrative there has to be a plot it's it, it can't just be so here's a book that everyone raves about i think stinks is sapiens oh by so uh, I, noah you, you yeah harari or something right yeah yeah no um, uvel yeah. yeah whatever and and I love anthropology and psychology and shit like that. And so, so it, it was a natural and I think I enjoyed it, but there was no stickiness to it. Well, and I think it's one of those, he talked about too much shit, too randomly, too just didn't get there. It's a, it's um, um it's a copy of a uh, Bill Bryson's a brief history of everything, which came out like oh, 10 years prior. That's interesting. It's the same, yeah, it's the same book. That one too. It's the same book. Bigger though. Um, but, but, but the the um, the disturbing thing is so 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 books that stick matter to me. Now here's what's also true. However, there, there's a quote from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, "I can't remember the books I've read any more than the meals that I've eaten, but they may be who I am today." So you right. also can't put a burden on your ability to to just without prompting recall something. Well, again, that's why I, all, that's why I do keep a list. That was so do I. That's why I put in my annual write-up. Um, but but I have books on my shelf. I look and I go, I just don't even remember reading that book. And that's the problem. That, that's the fundamental problem. Um, technocracy, the hard, road, the hard road to world something, to world order. Um, it's not brilliant, but the message is important. It's about technocracy ruling the world. And, and it is part of what we're seeing, I think. And so that was good. Um, I'm a climate denier. I was a climate believer, a uh, climate change believer. And every time someone would ask, I said, look, everyone I know believes. I, what am I supposed to do, right? I don't know shit, but every scientist I've ever talked to says climate change is real. My brother and a friend uh, and, an, and an acquaintance, digital acquaintance, started prodding me. And I, I would give them these answers, right? I'd say, look, I, I don't know anyone who's credible who, who doesn't believe this fucking plot line. And then one day I said, uh, the guy says, well, a lot of people do. 
I said, send me some fucking names, right? So I'm expecting to send me some names, you know, University of South Sheboygan. Yeah. And he sends me a list of names that are serious players. I go, okay, but here's what they probably did. They probably went out and tested some model, and the model didn't hold up, and someone's twisting that into denial, right? And it's not denial. It's just how science works. And I start booting up and Googling the shit, and no. These are famous motherfuckers who are saying this is all bullshit. So as soon as someone says to you, there's no credible scientist who doesn't believe it, that's the biggest lie of them all. Well, I was gonna right s- there. I was going to say is – and I've, I've never really come down on either side of it because I, I got to be honest, just I like Cold War kind of more. <laughs> and then so. Well, but also it would take you 10,000 fucking hours to get it. There's also no I just to me, I have to be passionate about it. But what I was going to say is, man, I can see myself pulling the listen. I'm not a climatologist, but there are no. After COVID and after them going, no doctors and me going, I've interviewed every one of those motherfucking doctors, every one of them. I've interviewed Malone, McCullough, Fareed, Nass. I've interviewed the head of the bioweapons program in the Soviet Union, Ken Alabek. I've interviewed Stephen Hatfield, Merrill Nass, Urso, Merrick, uh, Corey, Malone, Malone and McCullough multiple times. And I get banned for it. Nothing else. Not for Delta Force guys calling for the hanging of politicians, but Dr. McCulloch telling people to go take vitamin D that has made me go whatever they say the scientists believe I'm not 100% sold on it I don't give a fuck right so I dug into it and I didn't put in 10,000 hours but I put in enough and I found enough lies and I found enough real horseshit I mean seriously bad horseshit I read no books because I didn't want someone to digest the narrative for yeah. me and give it to me yeah right that's the problem and if you're going to do it that way, you got to read a lot of books from both sides, right? But I found so much bullshit that now I'm pretty much a goner, right? Now now I, I don't need to read anymore. Rogan had two guys on. He had Steve Coonan. And Steve Coonan is a Caltech physicist, uh, Caltech former provost, former Obama chief scientific advisor, and former chair of the American Physical, so- American Physical Society's climate change committee that looked into the question and he rounded up an elite group and said let's look at what the fucking status of this field is and they came out of it concluding it sucks so conan writes a book called unsettled and and basically his conclusion is that none of the predictions are worth a fuck none of them so I listened to the Coonan. I did read the Coonan book because I'd already written what I was going to write. I, I made my yeah. peace with the field. And it was just confirmation bias at that point. And Coonan's book was very good. I don't know if it would be good to a neophyte who's paid no attention. But what I can tell you is if, if you want to call Coonan a loon, you can. Now, I happen to – I did some, a favor for a Stanford psychologist – and I wanted to find out if the guy was credible, so I Googled him. I went to YouTube and looked him up, and he gave a talk on media. And he happened to choose climate change and the media's treatment of climate change. Back in 2016, I think it was the YouTube was from. This was before I even woke up to the issue. And it was clear he was sort of climate change supportive, but was trying to be neutral. And he talked about how the, this media does this, this, what happens when someone challenges the, the, this story and this and that. I thought he did a credible job. So I did the favor for him that he asked. And I, but I wrote him a quick note. I said, look, here's the deal. I dug in 
And I'm going to fess up to the fact that I think the climate change story is total horseshit. And I gave him about five paragraphs. And he emails back and he says, well, I went down the same rabbit hole and drew the same conclusion. This is a media expert. He did the same thing. There's a guy at NYU who writes about propaganda. He says it's total bullshit. He says it's a psyop. So, so, so the, the people looking, I, I know of nobody who is a denier who became a believer. I know of tons of people who started life thinking it was true, dug in and said, holy shit, this is crap. It is a $150 trillion projected expenditure. Well, that's what I was going to say is you got to It's zoom, all money. You got to zoom in. It's all money. And, and it's not about oil money because oil doesn't have that kind of money. No. And I'm going to go pee yet again. That's a running uh, meme on this podcast is that I should be sponsored by Depends because I got to piss again. Welcome back to Dave Cast Part 2. <laughs> what else should I talk about? Um, I have, uh, I have dug into and, and given a talk on the mathematical flaws underneath the Roth IRA. The Roth IRA has a mathematical flaw. And at first I couldn't figure out why I couldn't understand it. And then, uh, and then I, I, I showed it to colleagues and I go, no, this isn't making sense to me. And, and, and I started showing more colleagues and some starts running spreadsheets. They said, yeah, there's something wrong here. Uh, here's what I'll tell you. If you read about the difference between a Roth and a regular IRA, what you want to pay attention to is the fact that when you voluntarily put money into a Roth IRA, you are taking the top sliver tax bracket. Let's say you make 150K. You're taking 2K off the top. You're voluntarily paying the taxes on that 2K to dump money into the Roth IRA. So you're paying what's called the, the, the uh, marginal tax rate. It is the highest bracket money. You're paying the taxes in advance to compound. Here's what I'll tell you. Money that you get taxed at its one rate, compounds and then comes out tax-free at the end is identical to money that gets deposited at that same rate, compounds and you get taxed at that same rate at the end. It's sixth grade arithmetic. So here's the deal. A regular IRA, you don't pay until the end and it comes out spread over all the tax brackets. That's called the effective tax rate. That means the first money you pull out is at zero. The next is at a few percent. The next is at a few percent. The marginal versus effective tax rate are never the same. What that means, therefore, is, is that if by chance your taxes you know, the, the tax base changes dramatically and we're back to, you know, the top bracket being 90% and screw us, then maybe. But if the tax tax structure doesn't change markedly, you will always pay more taxes going into the Roth IRA than into the regular IRA. So if, if someone starts talking to you about the Roth versus the regular IRA, ask them about, tell me about the, the effective marginal versus effective tax rate. If they don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Get another financial advisor because that's the whole ball of wax. And I gave a talk on this subject to a thousand money managers in Vegas. And I said, I gave them a half an hour presentation on the, the flaw in the Roth IRA. And I, I challenged them to perforate my case, and not a single one did. So it passed a pretty tough test. Dave Cast episode two. I'm What's that? I said Dave Cast episode two. 
but you got I keep that's the right. air conditioning that's really right. low and I'm freezing, and so I put on my my big bright jacket. So where do you live? Where do you live? I'm in Maryland right now. Okay, so you're near the Death Star. I am. I am the hub of it all. Interesting. You can. Interesting. What sports did you do? None. Just lift. When you weights. were young. Just lift. I played oh, basketball really? in middle school. I always enjoyed okay. lifting weights. I didn't didn't like teammates, and I didn't. I liked competing against myself. Still did. So an anti anti social. I, I was a soloist too at, at some level. Um, I, I have a very strange background. So I've coached a ton of sports. I've done a ton. I was not a great athlete, but I was a good athlete. And uh, but I coached two collegiate sports. Find someone else in the country who's coached two collegiate sports. One, I was a very low-level Taekwondo coach. Um, but I was also the head gymnastics coach, Division One. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a, that's pretty. That's not insane. many professors have that resume. No, that's insane. That's a fucked up resume, right? That's yeah, a that's is. a fucked up resume. You know, and uh, so despite all the other idiosyncrasies, there is that too, and and. Uh, but I figured you were a super jock. No, I lifted weights. Okay, like, you've got kind of that square jawed marine look. I figured there was something there. No, play. I play it off well. Um, I okay. People, so, people. So you're saying you're a, so you're saying you're a pussy. I got yeah, it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah. No, no, no. People, <laughs> no, I. It, if I don't talk, I can play off the square jawed face, and then I open my mouth, and I'm like, "Why did they not prosecute Mandalay Bay for Second Amendment?" They're like, "Oh, it's this." Well, guy. they should anyway. <laughs> and, that, you don't have to. You can still be a jock. Point is, is yeah. back to back. What well, I was going to say is tied into climate change. So back to crypto. I was going to say one idea I like is that it's a honeypot for like quantum computing. Can anybody crack it? Interesting. The NSA. Interesting. Maybe the NSA has already cracked it, and they want to see if anyone else can crack it. I mean, with nuclear weapons in 1949, we had a sniffer plane off the coast of Alaska that picked up a radioactive cloud, which means we were preemptively going off the coast of the Soviet Union to go. When are they going to detonate one? We've got the goodie. When are they going to get it? Right. If we already have quantum supremacy, would you not also put out the allure of So Bitcoin? do you think we're further ahead of China than most people think or not? Technologically. I, not militarily. They've got catching up to do, I think, still. But well, yeah, what about sure. technologically? I do think we're ahead. And that might just... I'm biased, and I'm also very optimistic. Right, I do. I, but, but you wouldn't be you wouldn't be saying that with great confidence. I think that there's probably a, or has been, a Manhattan Project for quantum supremacy. Okay. When the I'm F- not sure if I know what quantum supremacy means. I, as an idiot. I know that basically we have created the quantum computer and it's effective. Okay. Atomic supremacy. The atomic. Okay. You have the lethal weapon that you can now rule the rest of the world with. And you could preemptively use, we did have open debates in the uh, late forties. You can openly go, we now have it. Do we go bulldoze the whole Soviet union now? And ultimately we decided not to. But the thing is, is once you get that weapon, you can now go vaporize any other nation before they can even start. To, and you could just create planet America. So just gigantic equivalent of Stuxnet, right? Yeah. Just, just, just kind of just wipe out everything. Everyone. And we didn't. And so I look at that. I think about the F-117. The F-117 stealth fighter, right? The weird hopeless diamond. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. 
when that first came online, it was so classified. It was a special access program. It was such an, a, a leg up on the Soviets and everyone else that when we want to go bomb Gaddafi, Secretary of Defense under Reagan, Casper Weinberger, at the last minute said, we're not going to use the no. F-117. We're going to go you use... You don't want to show it. We're going to go use these fighter jets. And the guys were saying, but those might... Those those aren't secretive. Those might tip off Gaddafi. It did. Gaddafi got away, made us look like an idiot. But he said the bigger picture is we don't want the Soviets to know this even exists. It's like saying you crack the code, not letting on, right? Letting them, what was it, Churchill let them Enigma, bomb? Let him, major yeah, yeah, let him, yeah. Let, yeah, or let them take out uh, troop transports, convoys. If right. we have quantum supremacy, if we have some hyper quantum god, are we holding that? And I don't know why. I don't claim to know. I don't see. I think you'd want to quash your enemies. But we we already didn't do it once with the A-bomb. Is there something? You might be worried a little bit about the history, right? The legacy. You might be worried that, you know, if you're the one who turns the world into this gigantic starvation mode, is that really, do you really want that on your 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 watch? What do you mean? Well, you know, if you wipe out everyone's computer right now, there'd be global starvation. No, no, no. I don't mean wipe anyone out. I mean wipe out your enemies as soon as your enemies start to get anything close to you. If you just had that well, much computing power, you could just bring Russia and China to its knees, right? We're just, But we're not right. doing it. I can only imagine if we did have it, and I'm just using the precedent of the A-bomb. We clearly did not go in right. and bomb the Soviets. Is there a right. reason for us to do it? to dangle it out there and or is it even us with the quantum computer or has AI somehow already arisen and is it laying out the honeypot to make sure no humans catch up to it and how does it do it the allure of Bitcoin which unlike anything else just nobody knows who Satoshi is like the 10% right. left behind that's, in Afghanistan that's, that's it's just we just, we just don't bring that up we just don't bring that up we just don't know who yeah, he I is know. yeah I the know. Bitcoin yeah no no one knows the inventor yeah 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 anyway and it's just like, no, no, what do you mean anyway? <laughs> we just. Yeah, I know. So I there know. is Don't some weird. There is just some weird honeypot. So, but to bring that into climate change, what you were saying, you know, $150 trillion, I look at it as I always try to like zoom out and almost pretend that I'm like looking at events as like an alien and there's like no sound. I don't understand the language and it's almost like a time lapse. I'm just looking at what happens. So, like, what happened at the Gulf of Tonkin? We moved a lot of military weaponry to Vietnam. We got closer to the Soviet Union. What is 9-11? An attack that led to us putting armaments on top of the world's oil supply and in proximity to Russia and China. What was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I always zoom out and just go... Well, Gulf War, the Gulf War, too. Yeah, so... We suckered suckered Saddam into the Gulf War. Yeah, so I always just look at, like, what is happening on the chessboard? Forget everything else. Forget flags, pride, with the media. Just where are the actual things moving? So have you read George Friedman? Uh Uh-uh. George Friedman, America's Secret War. He's been pretty quiet. I, I... he he ran Stratford, which is the, oh, yeah, yeah. sort of the this an intelligence analog I've, of, of I've, I've black had on, water. I've had on this, I think, the CTO of Stratford. Yeah, and then they got their emails hacked, and that was it. Yeah. It was over. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened there. Me I, I have no idea what happened. But so I always just look at 
what is happening on the chessboard. And so if I look at climate change, I go, oh, well, it's just this is resource extraction. It's saying who can grow and where, right? It's a new justification for lockdowns. And it is just taxation. It's the Paris Accords. Those are just the beginning. It is the ultimate extraction of wealth, regardless if it's crypto or if it's cash or gold. You're just saying we need more taxes. But these are not sovereign state-based encompassed plans necessarily. So is there some... So you might be thinking in an antiquated... No, 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 no. no. Border-based country. I'm not saying that. It might be something super national. It might be a World Economic Forum. It might be some global deep state. Or Silicon Valley or who the hell knows at this point, right? Whatever, a transnational... ball of power that is what i look at so i wanted to ask you because now we've been going on all these about past ones what do you think is going on and i'm open to all all i haven't figured it out what was and what is covid the vaccine rollout and everything along with it i have i have yet to come to a conclusion that i can stand on well, so it's clear. I, I think the evidence is pretty compelling that, that COVID existed for years before the pandemic. I think that's out there. I think they already had the vaccine sort of flavored technology. I think I think China already knew HCQ helped when you got sick. I think they already had therapeutic stuff working. Um, there was something so mysterious about it breaking out next to the Chinese Wuhan lab. If I were going to release a vaccine, uh, a pandemic, I wouldn't release it next to my own bioweapons lab. If you were the CIA, you might release it next to theirs. But no, no, that's right. But so, so, so I would say that the least likely culprit to do an intentional release are the Chinese, because why would you release it in your own backyard? Um, I could imagine, uh, you know, this this Martin uh, Armstrong guy, who's who's a creative outside the box thinker. Um, he he thinks uh, he implied Gates Foundation behind the behind the release, which is a bold statement. Um, clearly, Gates has got eugenics streaks in him, like there's no tomorrow. Gates is a funny guy because he. He seems as though he's on the spectrum enough that he, he at times he can't he can't lie very well. No. He's like in the movie Liar Liar, where Jim Carrey yeah. can't not lie, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden, you know, and, and there's some classics like when they asked about his affiliation with Epstein and he says, Well, he's dead now, so you have to be careful. And I'm going, Did he just say Wait, that? What kind of answer really? is what kind of answer is that? Yeah, and then and then when he's talking in a TED talk, he's talking about population vaccines and he says yeah with really good vaccines we could reduce the population 15 percent i'm going bill i think that would make the population go up not down unless you're marching to a different drummer which i think he might be um he talked about how this pandemic if it didn't get their attention the next one will mm-hmm. you know phrases like that and you go so at some point you go holy La- shit bill just last can't- week he said sadly omicron has has vaccinated sadly. most most of the people on the planet. And the articles about it didn't put in the sadly part. They left that part out. Yeah, the most important and, uh, part. Yeah, he said, sadly, the Omicron variant acted like a vaccine. Yeah, we're all brokenhearted, Bill. We are. Um, so, uh, 
So what is going on? Um, it could be an unintentional leak. That, that I have no trouble with. It could be an intentional leak. I don't have any evidence of that. If I had it, I'd love to give it up, but I don't. Um, it's very clear that there's guys all inside of that community who, who knew how fucked up it was, right? That, that, that the, the guys who signed that letter saying it was a conspiracy theory, those guys should all be hung from the balls until dead, which wouldn't be long for most of us because that would hurt so much that I would think death would be coming on quickly. Yeah, um, that would be. And, and um, so I think that the plot line makes total sense except for the question of, What's the goal? And is it is it population thinning? I don't know. Uh, is it population control mechanisms? Are they exercising mechanisms for? Po- so here's a here's I think an astroturf mechanism. I think cancel culture is not a grassroots thing. I don't think cancel culture comes from the left, right? It's undeniable. Right wingers don't do cancel culture. They might at times get angry at someone and want to attack them, but, but, but cancel culture is an explicit, let's bring the guy down to his knees idea. Let's destroy the person because we don't agree with him. I don't think the right wing thinks that way. Um, I also think it may very well be um, something that has been created and concocted and explored. So when I got canceled, I can tell you how it went. It's really interesting. Uh, remember the guy in Buffalo got knocked over, the old man? He got knocked over by the cops. Mm-mm. He was an old man. He was poking the cops, and they, they gave him a shove. He fell back, cracked his head. So late at night, Chris Irons posted, said, oh, this is just awful. And I looked at the video. I hadn't seen it yet. And I said, you know, Chris, we we're going to do a podcast. I said, we can talk about it some more on Saturday, but I got to take the other side of that. I said, I don't know why he was poking the cops, which he was. I said, I don't know what he was doing there. It's a war zone. It looks self-inflicted to me. That's not a very inflammatory tweet, right? Because I, I actually said, look, I, I, I sort of reluctantly have to take the other side, right? I, there was no what an asshole he deserved, it, no, no flavor like that. Within, uh, within 20 minutes, my Twitter feed was a complete dumpster fire. My email box was filling up. The email box of the department chair, the associate chair, the dean, the provost, the president were all filling up within a half an hour. Within a half an hour, I got an email from the group called FIRE, it's an acronym, um, that defends free speech on campus, lawyers who defend free speech on campus. I don't know how they picked up on it. And it turns out there was a guy in Hollywood, a Hollywood actor, who tweeted it, and it got screen grabbed, but then he deleted it. And he didn't even say much. I, I, I've looked at his tweet to see, is there is there a code word in there to say, go get him? Is there like a safety word, yeah. the reverse of a safety word, right? But um, so by morning, my world was a mess. And I wake up and I walk into the, the room after showering and there's the goddamn guy getting shoved over in Buffalo going, oh man, I apparently picked a bad hill to die on today. And it just got ugly, but it happened too quickly. And then the other thing I noticed, one of the oddest things was that, you know, you know, the guys, you ever watch the West Wing, the TV show? No. It's a, it's a, it's a very quick witted, the boomers would know the West Wing. And there's this one guy on it. Um, let me just, I'm going to get his name so someone can check. Um, West Wing cast and crew, well-known actor if you're a, if you're a boomer. Um, 
His name is, uh, where the fuck is he? God, he's now off the page. He used to be there. Um, in any event, famous guy. And so as soon as I locked down my Twitter feed, I also went and deleted all the recent follows. Right? I said, okay, anyone who's followed me in the last 45 minutes, I want nothing to do with at this point. And there was this blue checkmark famous Hollywood actor. I go, okay, he's either James Woods, and I'm letting him in, or he's some lefty, and I'm blocking him. And I went and checked his Twitter feed, and he was a lefty, so I blocked him. Um, but it all happened so fast that if you'd said, okay, let's say this happened, what would it be like? Well, you'd expect the Cornell kids maybe to get a, a beat on it, and it started to pick up momentum, and the next day it picked up. No, it was ASAP. It was so fast. But Cornell didn't know it hit it. I didn't know it hit me. And so I think the thing was spring-loaded. And I might have been a target in the sites because twice I had done battle against labor unions on campus, and twice I had defeated them. The second time was almost single-handedly, where I was the only guy fighting it in public. And they picked a fight with me, and I, and, and then... The fight was on, and I was able to get the ideas out, and they lost by a raise the margin, and they smeared me. And so uh, that shit all showed up immediately. They dredged all that shit up. It still shows up. But by, once in a while, I'll tweet something. They'll go, well, this guy's such a fucking loser. Look at this. And they'll dredge up some article from 2017. Um, so I think cancel culture is a, uh, a mechanism, a tool. I think the, the pandemic is a tool. I think... Uh, I think climate change is a tool. And, and whether they're exploring means of controlling the masses in a general sense, sort of like the military, well, let's explore this mm -hmm. kind of weapon. You know that weapon where it looks like a, a, a radar, but it heats the shit out of you? Yeah, they call it yeah. crowd control? Yeah. And people repel from it. And you go, and I was talking to a colonel one day, and I said, yeah, and that's on setting one, isn't it? He said, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, just R&D, sure. It's a little R&D. So they'll explore everything. So I think I think the, the control culture, whatever you call it, um, I think they're exploring mechanisms to control the population. And here's one of my theories. One of my theories is that the guys in, let's call them Davos, man, right? Are they wise and all-knowing? I don't know, but they know more than I do probably. Um, maybe not, but probably. Um, what if they're looking down on the world and they're saying, look, China's growing like a demon. India's growing like a demon. The United States is a big consumer. We don't have the resources, period. We're done. We don't have the resources. Sure. We, you know, we know, we know that that's about Afghanistan. That's the Afghanistan story. There's no doubt that's true. And, um, but what if they really can see the end in sight for resources that are going to be unbelievably painful to give up. So what would you do? Would you come out the next day and say, we just have to stop consuming? Or would you come up with a, a warm, fuzzy, teary-eyed, we have to save the world plot? It's exactly what you do. You'd go Brave New World, right. not 1984. That's right. So this is not Hunger Games. This is, this is, this is now we need, that's right, Brave New World, not 1984. That's exactly right. And, uh, and so then the question is, are they basically trying to get us to save the world? And I, I gave a talk in uh, and Louisiana. In, and in their minds, I'm, actually save the world. That's right. 
and and it might be they're right they, in the sense might that they might be they're saying, look, we've done the math. We can't consume even half of what we're consuming now at half the population. Yeah. And if you really thought that, right, if you really believe that, true believer, everything makes sense. Everything makes sense. So that's the grand that's the grand theory of everything. That is my grand, and I called it that. I said, working on the grand theory of everything, this year I wrote about it, and I said, that's my grand theory of everything, is that that the world is, this, the, the earth is an, a sphere. It's finite. We know that. I was a big peak oil guy. Mm-hmm. I read every book, Matt Simmons, Hubbard's Peak, all that crap. And the fact that we were able to push back sort of the peak production of fossil fuels by fracking our ass up doesn't mean it's not coming. By definition, we will run out of fossil fuel at some point if we just keep using it. By definite, we have to, unless you believe the theory that is being generated in the Earth's core. But even by that, I can't we're go finite. Forever. Can't go forever. Can't go forever. So now I have friends who are at Exxon who say it's going to last 500 years at least, which point I don't give a fuck. But I don't think so. So here's an interesting hint. Uh, there was a, in my climate change write-up, I ran into a leaked document from Exxon, which they said, ah, Exxon believes in climate change. And I read the document, and that's not what they did. A couple of Exxon scientists did a totally credible survey of the climate change literature from the public literature. They just put it all together. I'm going, oh, this is a nice, nice review article. And it was for internal consumption, not external. But it wasn't, there wasn't hyperbole or anything in it. It was just, they're going, this is the state of the art. It was written back in 84. The most interesting thing in the whole document was a statement that said that before CO2 becomes a problem, we think we're going to start running short of fossil fuels. That's the first time I've ever read a document out of one of the big oil companies sort of admitting in an unvarnished sort of way that, that there could be an end in sight. You should read Private Empire by Steve Private Call. Empire. It's about ExxonMobil. Steve Call, C-O-L-L. Okay, Amazon. Amazon. And that's about... It's about all of ExxonMobil. Just everything. Everything to do with Exxon, <laughs> including climate change. Oh, there it is. Steve Call rings a bell. Yeah, he's written. What else? Is he written? He's written director at S, uh, Secret War or Ghost War. Secret War. Secret War, I think, is the one that's ringing a bell. It makes me think, though. It's because I agree with everything you're saying. And I think about COVID as the low hanging fruit is, oh, China released it to attack the U.S. And then very quickly you go, well, why would it be next to Wuhan? That would be us, unless China's doing some yeah. triple agent move. But then that I go, I think it's global. And I do think it's it's probably true believers. It's probably people that are going, this is beyond America, beyond Russia, beyond Madagascar, beyond everything. This is, we're running, we're, we are, are an infinitely growing species with infinitely growing needs with a finite amount of substrate. Right. I think what it probably is, is it's not COVID itself. It's probably a, in the vaccine. I don't think it's going to be everyone drops dead. I think it's going to be a very passive, almost sort of like judo depopulation, and that what it probably is is sterilization. Yeah, so so I wrote about that too. Um, 
the sleeping giant in the COVID vaccine story, there are three, in my opinion. One is the possibility of neurological problems showing up later. Mm-hmm. One is the possibility of, of cardiac problems showing up later, more bigly than now. Um, one is the possibility of sterilizing young women because it's known that the lipid nanoparticle goes straight to the, the ovaries. ovaries. Yeah. Right. Malone makes that point very well, as you probably know. And so uh, so if you want to sterilize all the young women of the world, they just did. If 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 that lipid nanoparticle, which itself is supposed to be cytotoxic mm-hmm. and then the spike protein and the, the million dollar question, I can get an answer to that. I believe I get all sorts of people giving me fucking answers, but I don't need an answer that some guy's blowing it out of his ass. No, as much as I do. Is, is whether or not the mRNA is getting into the DNA. And I know there are mechanisms that it could. You, there are mechanisms by which, for example, a, a, viral, uh, a, a virus with reverse transcriptase could use that reverse transcriptase to send the mRNA into the DNA, right? Um, and if it's getting into our DNA, and I think it's, I think it's uh, McCullough uh, said that, that they're getting they're getting spike protein out of daughter cells, means cells that have been spun off of existing cells, which means it is in the DNA. I think, I think that's what it means. Um, because I don't think the spun off cell could carry MRNA with it from the, from the injection. Um, then it means we are spike protein factories. And what it could also mean. And, and when McCullough said the spike proteins hanging out for 15 months, my understanding of, extraneous proteins running around your system is they get cleaned out pretty quickly. Your body doesn't let your blood get polluted and shit like yeah. that. Just, just your, your liver, your whatever the hell does it. I, you know, it's been a long time since I paid attention to this shit, but I don't think it's in your circulating system for 15 months, which means it's being generated. And that's a problem. So, so I'm vaccinated. Um, the decision to vaccinate was back when um, I wasn't going to vaccinate right away because I didn't trust it. When it became clear that people weren't just going to die immediately in big numbers, I said, okay, it's looking safer. It's a Bayesian statistical problem. You just, you just keep the, the probability of danger changes with time. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, okay, there's, there's still always risk, but, uh, and then I decided to do it in part because my wife, I think wanted me to. And, I, I was told Cornell was going to mandate it. And, and I said, you know, Dave, you're always fighting the system. Maybe this is the time to just do it with the community instead of going sure. against it. And this Majid guy said the same thing. I thought, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, 99% of people I, I know have it. Yeah. Right. I boosted because Cornell said booster quit. And I just wasn't ready to quit. And since I had already gotten the vaccine, I go, look, I'm either fucked already or I, I could get hurt by the booster. Yeah. But I think the big risk is the first two. Now, I'm in a doctor Zoom group that's had all the guys you talked about, that had all the big players, had Kennedy, had um, – I wasn't there last night, but uh, Steve Kirsch showed up. Um, and and they are all convinced I'm going to die. I've had Kirsch on here. I, I, and that's good. Sorry. He's a tough interview. He's a tough interview. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's pretty revved up. He's, he's, an, he's analytical immediately. 
but uh, but also, so when he did his interview with uh, Malone and Weinstein, which is how I discovered Malone, both Malone and he, Kirsch, he, he he boned it. Though. He was yeah, he was uh, he was he was revved up. He's talked about it since. He said he he's gone back and looked at that, and he's he does. Yeah, he feels bad. Yeah. He, he was so revved up. He was. He, he was. Doctor Malone. Doctor Malone. Let me finish. I think that's why he was very peaceful. Yeah. He's very peaceful on mine. I got the watered down. I sure. think. I think he got the message. I think he well, got the passionate. Memo. But he's passionate. That's what. It right. Was. Right. See, I could do that too easily in a three-way interview. Right. Yeah. You and I can bat it back and forth, and, and probably not get in the way too much. But, um, um, but but in a three-way, and Malone being so soft-spoken. Yeah. But but the killer in that one interview was when he kept saying, "Let me finish." When we're going, dude, you, you've been talking straight. Yeah. And if, if I'm talking for twenty minutes, and I say, "Let me finish." That's even worse than me just mowing you over. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. that's that's a total lack of self awareness. So right. he learned from that. That and was sorry. Good. Yeah, I, I sidetracked the conversation. So you're on the Zoom meeting with all of them. I'm the Zoom, and they're convinced I'm going to die from this. And I said, "Okay, guys, could you?" Tell me if this is just an opinion or if you have some data. And it really was just opinion. And and so at some point, I I kind of live with the idea, okay, if you are going to kill me with the vaccine, I'm not sure I want to be here anyways. I've done everything I want to do. You know, I, I've gone around the bases enough time that I my, my legs are rubbery now. I've done what I want. If I haven't done what I want already, I'm fucking up because I could go do anything I want. And so why, why am I not doing it? Now, on the other hand, uh, oh, the other lurking danger out there is the cancer spiking problem. Yeah. I, I think it's quite possible that um, we're going to discover the role the immune system plays in cancer. So I have a friend who got diagnosed who felt bad for the first time in at Thanksgiving, got diagnosed in December, and is, is 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 supposedly at the end of his rope now. That's a fast-moving cancer. And that's what this guy, Ryan Cole, who would be fun to get on if you haven't, um, that's what he says he's seeing. He does a lot of pathology stuff, and he says they're seeing a tremendous spike in cancers. Yeah. And they're blaming it on people neglecting the cancer during the lockdown, which in the very least means they fucked up the lockdown. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I think that's a, as a side, I think that's a cover just like it is from my, I think that's with, a cover. All too. those, all those news titles where it's like climate change may be causing heart attacks in infants. And it's like, or, or <laughs> it might just be this morning, the CDC, I think it was the CDC puts out a public service announcement saying, what are the symptoms of blood clots? And I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. The CDC is putting us blood clot warnings and they're all, but without they're calling, fessing up that they're part of the problem? They're calling it, uh, what, PT, no, no, uh, PPSD, right? Post-pandemic stress disorder. That's what they're calling it. They're saying it's going to re- lead to a rise of myocarditis. And it's like, bro. Bullshit. It's, Bullshit, It's right? the first time in human history that we've done an mRNA vaccine. The pandemic is we got a bunch of kids who are totally, totally behind the eight ball 
developmental. CDC lowered we have the age of, fucked Did you see that in the last week? CDC lowered the well, the qualifications for what they say, like uh, by twenty percent. By twenty like percent, yeah, like the milestones for uh, vocabulary development. That's or some right. Shit. That's yeah. right. I did the math. They were all about twenty percent lower. Yeah, so they just lowered um, the they just lowered the requirements. That's right. So now now it's standard to be uh, to be uh, dumber. Yeah. No, no, they're trying to normalize being a retard. It's, yeah. That's it's, exactly right. Yeah, it's, yeah, I look at it, so I look at the whole idea of, like, a passive sterilization, and it prob- probably, not in some, because it's a bunch of, you know, QAnon satanic pedophiles who want to watch the world suffer, probably some of them, uh, but I would say it's probably true believers. But Stalin was a true believer. Well, I know, I, oh, and so was, so was Hitler. At the Einsatz Group, and who that's how they would justify. That's right. I've interviewed Richard that's Rhodes right. before, author of uh, Masters of Death. That's how the Einsatz Group would justify to each other shooting women and children because if they didn't do it, their kids would have to do it. They were true believers, so they get blind drunk and mow down the kids. Right. But if you were a true believer, which means that you are you're sincerely doing it for the better of all humanity, right? So we got to go on that track. Right. It's not just a bunch of guys. Or you have to do it, whatever. Some variant of either I have to do it or it's the right self-preservation. thing. Self-preservation. Whatever. Right. Wouldn't it be – wouldn't you just dump all the money into either or both space flight and nuclear fusion? I, there's no question. Well, the problem is it might be that nukes aren't the only limiting resource. That, that energy is not the only limiting resource. Okay. I so, d- so if you're looking, you're going, "Holy shit!" Uh, you know, nuke doesn't begin to solve our problems. Not even so I have a, I, like yet it. another theory. I think we're going to have a, an energy crisis, which is going to be totally engineered. Part of that came from the fact that every single thing in 2021 seem to either disrupt energy or look like it intentionally disrupted energy, whether it's a, a hacking of a pipeline or a blowing up of a refinery or Biden shutting down a pipeline. Or dipping into it, it looked like reserves. The Germans shutting down their nuclear plants. And, and so one of my theories is that you could usher in the nuclear age in earnest by cajoling Joe Sixpack into accepting the idea or you could bring in a fucking scary ass energy crisis and get them to beg. Yeah. Yeah. They begged. They're begging for vaccines for their children. How sick is that? Uh, anyone listening, if you're begging for vaccines for your children, you are a sick bastard. There's nothing. There's not a shred of a scientific argument for vaccinating your children unless you think your children are more expendable than your, their grandparents. Yeah. And somehow, somehow you're delusional enough to think that will help. You want to save your grandparents, don't let the grandchildren visit. See, I, I don't... But you're vaccinating six-month-olds. With nuclear, I don't think you'd have to do that whole Hegelian dialectic. I think you'd have some screaming... Uh, some screaming hippies, but you'd very quickly get over it when all of a sudden everyone's power bill went down by 98%. I don't think you'd have to do well, some... but you can't get the power bill down without putting in the nukes. Well, that's right. So I think they... that's right. But I mean, I just, in terms of all things, like I get the, you got to do a nine 11 if you want to justify a 20 year occupation, right? You got to, you got to do right. something big. You got to do a COVID if you want to justify war with China and the South China sea, right? You got to, you got to do something. Right. 
Right. I don't see the. I think they could just easily do a media campaign like they have for COVID or for for, like, for trans kids to just. You can just see the little fucking the gay ass ads now. will be like, listen, energy's changing. You need the little music. You'd have like the YouTube thing, and there'll be those weird animated right. characters they do, and it'd be like fusions. If they can push an mRNA vaccine on kids, they can pull off a fusion campaign. Well, so maybe the or just fission. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, fuck right, it. We I don't even need to get weird. We can just go fission. Right. I, I've been talking to this guy who's, who, who's, who was in the, the, the nuclear industry, and he said that, that the second-gen modern-era nuclear plants are so good and so efficient that you can basically consume the, the, the refined uranium or whatever it is down to zero. Yeah, the had, old plant you use like six percent of the refined shit, and then you had waste. I've had on I've had on fission operators and researchers. I've had on guys from Oxford. And so these new plants are great. So here's the deal: the other possibility is that the climate change thing is is all about nukes. Yeah. Because what's been odd is that the climate change warriors, catastrophists, never seem to mention nukes. Yeah, they never. And it makes no sense. And it's like, dude, if, if, but it wasn't many years ago, by the way, that everything was about pollution and what was going to save us was natural gas. The climate change guys have fucked that up. Yeah. Is, maybe because we just... were told, oh, we can't burn oil now. We can't burn coal. Natural gas is the clean energy of the future. And all of a sudden now we can't do that. If it What's was that all about? If it was truly about energy, they'd eventually just go, because I, I mean, I get the fission thing, right? Not you can't really uh, you can't really rape that for money. But if you were a true believer and thought that humanity was coming to an end, you'd go, "Hey, we got to drop the fucking profit, but we got to do fission reactors everywhere." That's right, and we can find a way to make money, right? Oh, yeah, internet, yeah, they'll, they'll find a way. They didn't know how to make they didn't know how to make money off the internet for a number of years. They'll right? find a way, which makes me think. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're right. Which maybe includes it's not just, just give government subsidies that are so. For example, sure. I think. Facebook. I don't think Facebook is making money off clicks. No, it's, <laughs> I, I think Facebook are, is getting handed big wads of fucking money. Yeah, and then they're also offered that we won't break you up with an anti-monopoly trust so long as maybe you do our bidding and circumvent the First Amendment, and then whoop, you guys stay profitable. There's no way That's Twitter right. is still a, a viable stock. It's the most no, toxic and, fucking and, and thing. There's, and there's no way the Tesla is. Yeah, Tesla yeah. doesn't know how to make cars. They know how to make cars on a sort of one-on-one basis. They don't know how to mass produce them. You want to make an electric car, you call in Toyota, General Motors, Volvo. They know how to make electric cars. Yeah, I've had, they on, will do I've it. had on the former VP of R&D at GM, um, Larry Burns. I'm real- but they know how to make cars. That's what I mean. No, no he was talking about Tesla all the forgets. Tesla can't even make a door that doesn't freeze up in the winter. Yeah. Right, the lock. They needed some warming mechanism because the lock kept freezing up. They don't know how to make cars. So it's not just energy. It's not just energy. It's not just. It, but this is all not, also going on the assumption that they're true believers. Could it just be they're going? Listen, we got a good thing going on. Fuck these people. Well, it it, it, it could be. They, it could it, just it, be. It could just be. Fuck them. I. They might just look at it and go, "We could do nuclear fusion, space travel, nanotechnology, or." Well, you just kill everybody. Yeah, and, and make a lot of money. Right? You don't need well. You don't um, need money. I think I think they're waiting. You never want to kill all the people because the people are the ones that 
do all the menial tasks. And it's had to have been that well, way since the how, pharaohs. How, how, many surfs, how many surfs do you need in the digital world? Once you get to a point where you have autonomous robots with opposable thumbs and or you can just upload into a, a VR. Well, this, this super lefty economist, I think he is, maybe an anthropologist who's now dead named Graeber. He wrote 4,000 Years of Debt, I think it was. Um, he describes how many bullshit jobs are in the world. And this is something I didn't know, but but apparently there's people, there's a tremendous percentage of the population where they literally don't know what to do every day. We're just going through the motions. Well, you can argue you and I fit that category because we just been sitting there talking all day. Uh, right? no, uh, to me, I, I think this is the height of figuring it out. Well, that's right. So, so we're the brains. <laughs> yeah, we're the yeah. brains. Hey, man, I figured it out. We'll, I figured we'll it just, out. We'll just... We'll orchestrate. We'll tell the the, the guys with the, the pipe wrenches how to how to do it. Work harder, surf. Eat cake. But sorry, you're four thousand years of debt. Right. It was okay. I, I didn't agree with the whole book, but it was okay. Four thousand years. But he it, it was a different book where he talked about the uh, bullshit jobs. I think it's actually called bullshit jobs. I think that's the title. And um, in any minute, it really, really, really appears like the world is going through what's called a phase change, where it often goes, you know, from liquid to solid. That's a phase change yeah. in chemistry, where all of a sudden it just goes from one form that you're familiar with to a new form that's unrecognizable to you. Seems right? like it's instant, but it's been actually been going. It reminds on. me, of my Boston Terrier got got fixed, and while he was recovering and stoned out of his gourd, we brought him home. We got a six-inch snowstorm. And so he's still sort of half-baked, and I put him outside. And all of a sudden, there's six inches of snow. And he's going, fuck, what's this shit? <laughs> <laughs> right? And he, I was watching him. He was, like, standing trying to eat. He's, like, tipping over to his bowl. And shit. then I put him outside, and there's snow. A complete head And he's fuck. going, holy, a complete head fuck. Right, complete mind-boggling moment. And uh, we could go through that. And this, that gets us, if you read The Fourth Turning, you got you probably ought to put that on your list. Right. That's that's the one, that's the cult favorite, Fourth which the guys say that uh, society cycles and 80-year cycles, 20-year sub-cycles, they wrote it in 96. They said that the fourth turnings are the bad ones. That's when society loses its shit. When was the last fourth turning, World War II-ish, Great Depression, fucked up times? It was before that, Civil War. Before that, Revolutionary War. Before that, no one gets, but it, you'll, you'll get it. As soon as I said, Salem Witch Trials. Okay. So you go back 80 years, you keep hitting society going batshit. They wrote the book in 96. They said, you know, if all goes according to rhythm. They say, why, why does society change? He said, you have wars during all the different turnings, but it's the fourth turning when you just lose your shit, right? You, the, the war is no longer a border war, a skirmish. It's World War Three, right? And he said, and they said in '96, they said if all goes according to plan, it's like walking. Your right foot goes next because your left foot is done, and it, it changes quickly. We went from Annette Funicello and Bobby Darren in the '50s to the Doors and Acid Rock. And it happened almost overnight. Yeah. Anti-war shit, just bad shit. And we went from that all of a sudden where next thing you know, it's, it's disco and guys want to make money and they're mercenary and they're no longer you know, anti-establishment. It's 80s, and, uh, Gordon Gekko. Right, 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 exactly. 
And uh, they said, if all goes according to plan, the next fourth turning, again, 20 years of shit, will start in 2010. You start playing back the tape and you go, ah, the the crisis started in 2008, 2009. Yeah. Was that the start of the fourth turning? Or was it 9-11? What's that? Was 9-11 the starting or was 2020 the starting? No, here's the funny thing. So if you go to Amazon and you look at the early reviews of the fourth turning back in 9-11, People bought the book and read it thinking it's going to explain to me what we're facing. And they didn't like it. And one of the reasons they didn't like it is because although 9-11 was bad, we were not yet in a fourth turning. A fourth turning is when things really go to shit. So 9-11, Gulf War, all that, all that shit was not anything like World War II. Yeah, it was par for the course. Not Civil War, right? Not Revolutionary War. That was just an event. It wasn't a pandemic. And so so then the question is, what happens in 2008, 2009? And the answer is, we got our ass kicked. My opinion is the fourth turning might have been ushered in when the authorities fucked up the response to it. To 2008? Yeah, and they bailed out all the banks and let the people eat shit and die. And people got mad. What do you get next? You get Occupy Wall Street. That was the first digital social movement. Okay. Occupy Wall Street. The Aaron Schwartz. Yeah, uh, the Reddit The game. Aaron Schwartz shit, yeah, right? Suicided. And so now all of a sudden, it just gets grumpier and grumpier and grumpier. So now this is why I mentioned that if while you were gone, I think I mentioned, while I was doing a Davecast, we are, we are poised to head into a terrible financial crisis if you look at metrics and valuation of all the markets the bond markets at 5,000 year highs the stock markets at all-time highs compared to any other era if you look at the right metrics and and the central banks are doing just batshit crazy stuff to try to keep the beach ball in the air when this thing finally lets go, and according to a very famous hedge manager I was chatting with last week, one that most of your readers would know, they go, holy fuck, I know that guy. Um, he said the bubble has popped. And he's one of the guys that I'm having dinner with on Wednesday, the billionaire club. And I am dying to find out what those guys are saying. Can you bring me up and wear like a trench coat? And I will hide in the bottom half. And can I just well, listen you know, in? it depends what you do under there. Um, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta earn my keep. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't even know what I can say about it because I don't know if this is like we'd have to kill you. Don't, thing. don't. I'm already interviewing. No, no, Doc, no. I've already interviewed Doctor Malone. I'm close. To, I'm on enough people's mercenary lists. Don't get me on more. Well. Uh, but I'm also not sure what it's going to be, but it could get really interesting if these guys start chatting. If they start. They get serious. Just ask them. Be like, hey, we're going to do a FaceTime call with this this dipshit. He has a podcast named Tommy. Well, one of them I've tried to get to do podcasts before, and he wouldn't do it. What if you brought him and on as a co-guest? No. Fuck. No. When I tried to get him on what's called Real Vision one one day. And he says, he says to me, he says, well, now I'm going to feel really guilty about turning him down. <laughs> so he, he will not do uh, podcasts. Fair enough. Um, and uh, 
actually not totally true. He did a couple on his own accord. I don't know why he did them, but uh, you know, I, I have, I usually have lunch or dinner with him maybe once a year. And, uh, and then there's a couple others. So one, the last one to sign up, the guy sends me the email and says, Oh, here's, here's the final dinner list. And the last one to sign up is a stupendously famous wall street guy. And I emailed back and I said, couldn't you get someone famous or powerful to come? <laughs> the, guy, the guy called me, says, were you joking? I said, yes, I was joking. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this, is what, this is one of the Death Star guys, right? And uh, this is one of the guys. I, there, there, can't be a, there can't be a listener out there who hasn't heard this guy. And, uh, and what I'm trying to figure out is can I get a, a photo can I get a selfie of this group? I, this, 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 this is like a, an entire 10 body round table bucket list for me, this crowd. Jesus. And, uh, and, 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 but I, I just don't know if they're going, no, no, yeah. I don't want my face out there. Right. I just don't know. I, it's not like they're not in public, but, uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's uncouth. I don't know. Sure. They're just, so I'm going to talk to the guy who's organizing and saying, if you can get a photo in the group, I want it. Just in case you get an opportunity, dude, grab that photo. But it might be, no, these guys gotta, do not want to be photographed at gotta, this dinner. You got to play it cool. No, you can't. Well, I do, but he, this guy might be able to do it. Right. So I got to find out from him. If I can get him to take a photo, if he says, oh, no, no, he's been holding these dinners. They call them founders dinners. And they're all founders. And uh, and I'm just and he says at the end he's gonna have everyone give up their best idea. Do you think they're pulling you in to let you in on what's really going on? No, this guy decided I was such an idiosyncratic character he'd bring me in. So you look at the list, then there's me and you go, Who's the outlier? I am so far out the court jester? Well, they're all founders. One's a CE, former CEO of something so fucking big, and uh, and then uh, and then there's me. And he read something I wrote, and 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 he said, "Fuck!" And he says, "Can I get you to come to dinner?" And I looked at the dinner list. I go, "Yep." I'll try to make <laughs> it. Yeah, I'll try to make it. One time I drove all the way to New York and back just to spend the afternoon with two guys, one named Grant. Williams, another one named Simon Michalovic, just, just to chat with him. I just got on the fucking, got in the car, drove four hours each way just to chat with him. You know, I, some guys are worth it. Dr. McCullough invited me down on New Year's Eve, like two weeks prior. He invited me to come down on New Year's Eve just for a day to come meet him at Alex Jones' studio. And oh wow! That would be Dr. Like McCullough an and I have become Doctor Dr. McCullough and I have become buddies. And I was up so at, uh, so I don't know this crowd well, even though I've been burrowing through it. But uh, the guy who showed up out of nowhere about a month and a half ago is out very prominent. There's a guy named Ed Dowd. And oh, the uh, black the black rock guy. I've been yeah, I've been Eddie fucking, and I I've have been, known each other for years. <laughs> I do, I've been trying to get him on my podcast because I saw something he said about how the uh, the war. Oh, you and he are kind of soulmates. So the, Ed goes outside the box comfortably. Because I, I saw something he said the other week about he's like, although warp speed has no liability for all these companies, fraud vitiates that agreement, and so Pfizer and Moderna might actually be on the hook for all this shit. It, 
it's fascinating because Ed seemed to be just kind of watching for the longest time. And I would say it was maybe three months ago. All of a sudden, the, the first I got wind of him getting serious was when they had some shindig in Maui and he connected up with McCullough and Malone in Maui. And, and you know, I'm thinking, Ed, you didn't invite me, you big fucker. Um, and, and, and he's been on it. He's like, uh, he's kind of like Steve Kirsch, sort yeah. of self-appointed warrior. And, uh, and so, yeah. I, You've I got to put in a word for help you out for me, please. Eddie. I can put it in order. I, I don't I know if he'll do it. Oh, no, no. I mean, listen, okay. about 1% of people I ask do it, so. Oh, um, I would think it would be more than that. No, you send out about a – now the percentage is slowly increasing. But I would say for the first 18 months, you send out well, – am I, Are we connected on Twitter? Are we connected on Twitter? I don't think so. Tommy's podcast? T, I'm following you. Uh, I thought I did. T-O-M-M-Y-S underscore podcast? I thought I did. Oh fuck! Okay, apologies. Um, no, I don't care, dude. I, I, no, it's just unfollow. You just unfollow. I, I, I think I'd followed you because when I clicked Ooh. it, it just flickered, and then it went to went to went to the unfollow mode. Yeah, who gives a shit? Um, whatever, we're connected now. <laughs> your your listeners should know. Um, can you imagine how the world would look? The difference in, in the appearance of the world through Twitter and not through Twitter? Well, so I download like 10 social media apps every day just to post my podcast. And then I delete them all because I like seeing the lens through my own eyes. I don't keep them right. on my phone, so I can't scroll, not even passively. You know, when you find yourself right. just on Twitter, you go, how have I got here? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't scroll through the tweets as much as I used to, but the fact of the matter is, like, so much stuff still comes through Twitter. I get DMs from people and yeah. stuff. And if you're getting your news from CNN, your world is a totally different world. Yeah, I don't watch any news and I don't do social media. I think I kind of just get it through the people I talk to. I don't have okay. Netflix or right. HBO. I'm a I'm a weird fucking person, dude. I okay. I listen to audiobooks okay. and, and some Tim Dillon in the evening. Well, I don't do anything but Twitter. Um, you must read Zero Hedge. Yeah, I do look at Zero Hedge. Not every day. Okay. I do like okay. that. I do like... I like Malone's on Getter. I follow Malone on Getter. You yeah. know, here's the funny thing about Getter. Um, well, it's owned by the Chinese, too. Yeah, I know. And it's, I got that information from the guy who founded Mozilla. Oh, Firefly, uh, Brave. And so that's Brendan Eich. And he, he told me that that he thought it was a Chinese, but but they're they're all Chinese psyops. All Chinese. I've interviewed the people at Parlor and the people that left Parlor to start other. It's all it all goes back to that. Yeah, it's if you're <laughs> if you're on any of these platforms, people are listening, right? And if you're using equipment, I don't care what country the chip came from. There's shit in that chip. See, that's why you got it. But I think the Israelis are really good, but the Chinese are no slouch, and I have no idea what we are. But I would think we're probably pretty bad, although I'm not sure how many chips we make here. See, I, I do a I, – I cut them off at the pass, and I just preemptively put everything online. So there's nothing else to listen to. They just hear me, yeah, they just hear me walking around my apartment farting and listening to Tim Dillon. 
They're like, fuck, where's the juice? And I'm like, the juice is on <laughs> yeah, here. This, you gotta- <laughs> this guy, this guy's not our enemy. There's no risk here. This guy's, yeah. this guy's too looned. Yeah. I, I always try to um, give shout outs to the NSA if they're listening. I'm like, just subscribe. I always, I've always wanted it to happen. But like one day, God, God willing, my podcast becomes huge. I just want to be able to say like, hey, NSA, like flicker the lights. I just want to- Did you see that tweet by the guy from, it wasn't NSA, but it was SATCOM, I think. And it was this garbled tweet. And then it was followed by a tweet that said, ignore that last tweet. And it turns out his toddler had gotten a hold of his laptop. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> This is SATCOM. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you think that's what it really was? No, I have no idea. Do you think it's a uh, some? I got ash? the funniest email one day from an NIH program director who they give out all this money. They're, they're, they're not Fauci. He's higher up, but they're underneath the Fauci's of the world. And one morning, like 530 in the morning, I get, a, uh, I get this tweet that says, fuck, fuck, fuck from the guy. And I'm thinking, oh, this is a problem. And so I sent him an email back giving him an idea for cover. I said, you know, I think you've got a virus problem. Someone's grabbed a hold of your Twitter feed. About 10 minutes later, I get an apology, which was clearly sent sent to everyone. It turns out he was having a computer problem. And he wrote, fuck, 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 and hit send, and he sent it to his list. Probably 5,000 fucking people. Jesus. And I ran into him, and, and I, we were laughing about it. I said, oh, my God, when I saw that, I'm thinking, oh, there's no way. The funniest, though, we had an IT guy at Cornell who was having an affair with a chick at Cornell, and they were swapping emails all day about what they were going to do to each other with Wesson Oil and duct tape and you name it. And then he somehow autofilled his listserv oh. on one of the last things, the entire the entire email trail went out How? to thousands. How do you? You know when you do something like that where you sit and you go, oh, my God, what did I just do? Like you deleted a file that you realized the, the panic feeling. Can you imagine his sense of panic when he realized think, he just sent an email to his entire list? Or that might have been the moment of enlightenment because he realized his life before that moment and that life after are two well, different. neither was employed the next week. Oh, okay. Were, well, I think that I think I think they both said we just have to go, including from the wives and husbands. Right. I that's think what I mean. Was it, it was, the most liberating it was moment? Like, <laughs> it was like thirty or forty exchanges. Was it I the mean, most it was, liberating moment where they lost the job, the spouse that they clearly weren't happy with? And I, after I, that, that's an optimistic view. Are, do they just go? View. Are they free? Was that their Buddha moment? Well, they're definitely free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you want to be that free. I don't know. I don't know, man. So, um, I was gonna say it's it's five. We've been going for three hours. I'm gonna pee one more time. Is that right? Yeah. Holy! I normally shit. do an hour podcast. I'm fine. Um, okay. So I do. I'm gonna go pee one more time, and I want to come back, and I want to. I'm starting to. I started last week with Malone, and I want to start doing it with guests like yourself, like Malone, just interesting guys. I want to start having them make predictions. Malone made a bunch of predictions last week because I've realized the only thing that's ever going to start to break away at MSM is they'll say something, say something, say something, and then they'll they'll switch stance and gaslight you into saying they never said it, right? Masks, mandates, the war in Iraq, whatever. What I'm trying to do is have people start making like 
predictions. Real predictions. Stand behind in predictions. Just real things. And if they don't come to fruition, then hey, fuck me. Trust MSM. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. So that's what I'm trying to do. But until then, I'll be back in 30 seconds. Dave Cast part three. Ah, oh, man. I am out of gas. Um, what else have I written about? Um, here's one for you. I dug into the Epstein story. And if you actually look at the pictures of Epstein on the gurney being dragged out of the hospital, um, and you look at profiles of Epstein, it's not the same guy. Now, this is the funniest, funniest conspiracy theory you will ever hear. I, when I wrote about the Epstein story back in, was it 2019? I showed a picture of a third guy who had died three years or three weeks earlier who you look at and you go, that could be the guy in the gurney. And you're going, yeah, yeah, look at the nose. That matches the guy in the gurney a lot better than Epstein's nose, which was dead straight. And the guy in the gurney had kind of a curl to it. The guy had died three weeks earlier. There was no sort of a announcement of what he died of, just this very matter-of-fact statement about him dying. And here's the part that will cause you to piss your pants. It was Hillary's brother. <laughs> now, I don't care if it's true or not. It is the funniest conspiracy theory of them all. And we're waiting for him to come back. Uh, what, else have I, what else have I written about? Um, God damn it. I go off the reservation easily, don't I? Um, we are going to have a big financial crash. I, I don't know when. And it won't necessarily be a crash crash. Crash crashes don't do anything. They, they serve no purpose. They, we recover from those. We're going to have a long, multi-year, possibly multi-decade slog. Did you start the predictions? No. Uh, oh, I kind of did, actually. I didn't mean to. I came back. I was like, okay, I was so, like what is this bastard doing? <laughs> okay, so the prediction. Prediction number one, we're going to have a big financial crisis, and it's not going to be short. It's not going to be a V-bounce, because V-bounces don't correct anything. If you V-bounce and six months later you've recovered, nothing has been fixed. Nothing has been solved. Your valuation problem still exists. So the 20, 2020 March bounce was just stupid. Uh, it, it not only didn't correct anything, it left people with a sense of fearlessness, with a sense of invincibility. Um, I think we're going to have something that looks more like either the U.S. from 67 to 71 with a 75% inflation corrected demise over 14 years or the Nikkei, which we're is still underwater after 32 years. And if you wonder about, well, what if you don't own the market, but you start averaging in, if you average into the Nikkei starting in 1989, and you put a thousand bucks a month, every month into the Nikkei, you didn't break even for 18 years. That's how bad that bear market was. And you're still screwed. I mean, you're still totally hosed. Uh, we're going to have one of those, in my opinion, and I don't think the Fed can fix it because I think inflation's got the Fed completely cornered. Now, the other day, one of them said, oh, we're okay with, uh, we're comfortable with the current inflation being within our target of 2%. I've got you guys have been smoking way too much pot. Um, second prediction, um, I think we're going to have a rising global authoritarianism that's unstoppable, and it's, it's going to last so long that I'm not going to see the end of it. Will it ever end? Uh, what's that? Will it ever end? 
uh, it might never end because it really could be one of these things where it becomes a kneel sort of like in concrete, you know, sort of Jimmy Hoffa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, what else? Uh, I think we are going to have a, a energy crisis, which I suspect will be engineered. Um, I suspect they're, they're teeing it up like a golf ball right now. Um, I thought it might be this winter. It's not looking like it, but uh, soon. What the purpose is, I'm not quite sure. Um, we're going to get climate change till we're purple in the face because there's $150 trillion to be given away. And anyone who wants to admit climate change is, is, is a dire problem will get their fair share. And those who deny it won't. And so everyone's going to have their little pitch to say, you know, our new ER needs to be renovated because climate change is causing people to get sick. So give us the money, right? It's just going to be one of those. Everything is going to be hung on the climate change Christmas tree. Central bankers are talking about it like it has anything to do with a central banker. It does not. And uh, what else? I don't think we're going to have a big war between Ukraine and Russia. I think that's being drummed up by the United States. I think Putin is way smarter than our guys. Now, he's working with a, a weak hand because he's got to run Russia, right? This is not exactly um, not exactly a... Uh, by the way, that's the, the friend of mine who called me this morning said buy RSX, which is a mutual fund that I already own. It's a Russian closed-end mutual fund. I think I already mentioned that, but um, worth pondering. Uh, what else? Um, is there COVID has got to go away soon. I think Canada is a holdout because they couldn't back down. But the, the rest of the countries are folding as quickly as possible because they don't want a trucker problem. So they're looking at Canada going, okay, Canada can't back down. Trudeau's host. He has no exit channel. But we do. Let's stop now. Leave Trudeau hanging out there in the wind trying to figure out how to handle his, his truckers. Malone said on my podcast last week that the Trudeau Foundation owns 40% of Acuitous, which makes the... I've the, heard that. So do you think it's that or do you think it's more of a, a dictator problem no. where they can't lose face? Trudeau is a globalist puppet. He's being told what to say and he's sticking it with it. And I, I, they can't lose face. They can't lose to the common man. Yeah. I thought they could have at one point. But now it's now they're in too deep, and so they somehow have to show that we they can squash you. They've got to prove to the truckers that they will suffer because those truckers really can choke the system. And 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 they've got to prove to the truckers even if they just stop driving, they can be in trouble, which is I think the message. And so um, they're trying to say that if in any way, shape, or form you're participating in anti-Trudeauian things, you're going to get hurt. And that message is meant to be spread around the world. And and therefore, countries that don't want to have to go there are bailing and saying, we're done. And they've already made huge ground, so they'll, they'll, they'll take their wins. They'll take the gains that they made, the globalist gains, and wait for the next opportunity. I don't think the next one's going to be another pandemic. We won't fall for it. No one will. They'll just say, fuck you. Yeah. And the truckers will show up again or something. So it's got to be something else. It'll be something it's got to be a new. You do a 9-11, that's why 2008, a pandemic. Energy. Energy. <laughs> you know, cut cut off the energy supply in everyone's house. And and have pipes freeze, have people suffering, have, you know, food supplies. And then they'll say, ah, but here's how we save you. And so that's my prediction. 
Um, what else? Do what the, else? What else? I think there'll be a push away from going to college. I think it's already in play. Yeah. Do you think the 2022 elections will get fortified in the middle of the night? Uh, I think the two teams are pretty much the same. And so I think it'll be a wipeout for the Democrats. And the only, the only problem that poses is, um, is the fact that they have to somehow recover from looking bad. Right. So, so to the extent the Democrats lose, then the, the whole COVID pandemic story gets hurt a little bit and you know the the climate change gets hurt a little bit so there's that risk but i think there's no evidence for the republicans are the good guys no not at all no 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 no. i'm not implying so here's a here's another cute story by the way i i I, during in 2020 i wrote about all the, the giveaways to families of politicians I just started anecdotally picking up the pieces here and there. Oh yeah, so and so congressperson, this their 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 wife or their mother or their whatever got this big bailout money here. So I started collecting them, and then I looked, and the first thing I know, say we're all Republicans. Yeah, you know, that's not very good for my team. This is a problem. Yeah, and then I noticed they were located in wait for it, Texas, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, oh, Pennsylvania. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Do you think that's something we never touched on? Was the 2020 election stolen? I'll, uh, I, it was rigged. Yeah, it was no, rigged. I'll start saying yeah, I think it, it is. Yeah. I think it was. No, no, it's easy though. It's you know, first of all, I think the data is good. I think the data supporting the rig is good. And the people say, well, it went to court 61 times. No, it went to court 61 times and never got listened to 61 times. Never got to evidentiary. So, so the data was never laid out on the table, and the recounts are done by the same guys who counted it wrong the first time, right? No. The evidence that it was rigged is is the evidence that it was patently obvious that the system would do anything possible to get Trump out. Yeah, I find it not imaginable that they forgot to rig the election. It's not imaginable. Yeah, they rigged it. They had to rig it. They were willing to do unbelievable other stuff, and here they have a chance to just throw some digits into some computers. Yeah, you know who owns Dominion voting machines? Yeah, this part of the story is great. Dominion. So here's what I started watching this story years ago. Diebold mm-hmm. controlled the voting machines. Diebold CEO was a Bush Jr. Uh-huh. campaign fundraiser, right? Yeah. So I'm going, this is not right. This is wrong. Next thing I find out, Dominion owns the voting machines and they're in Canada. I go, wait a minute, a sovereign state owns our voting machines. I'm going, but I trust the Canadians probably as much as I trust the Americans. So I'm not even sure how to think about this. Turns out Dominion is a subsidiary of a UBS. Oh, God. This bank subsidiary, which is owned by Beijing. <sighs> and all of a sudden you go, fuck, China owns our voting machines. If you and I know that, the intelligence agencies know that, does that mean that the military industrial it. complex, deep state, is so powerful? They genuinely don't give a fuck who's in a double. Well, it's like when there was the secret meeting between uh, secret meeting during the Afghan pullout, where a secret meeting between one of our guys and Taliban. I'm going so secret that we all know about it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) When when we're hearing, I was this Zoom podcast, this Doctor Zoom thing that at one point someone was talking about a Chinese woman who was a whistleblower on China. 
And this one woman who's an American doctor, but she was born in Romania. She sort of jumps and says, wait, 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 T.O., T.O., T.O. If China doesn't want her talking, she will not be talking. Yeah. Right. And so you listen, you know, that Korean chick, North Korean who escaped. Made all this, made her. Oh, that. Oh, fuck off. That chick's CIA. Total, total fake. Total, total fake. North Korean chick with, with big tits, and she just go, shows up on Rogan and Lex Friedman. She just does the circuits. You got it. You got it. You really want some fun? Dig into who uh, Leanna Wen is, the, the CNN COVID course. Yeah. What about She's her? She's total C- CCP. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. But, but no one see. Yeah. There are people who know this. I can't connect her to CCP. What you can do is connect her entire family to CCP. I mean, Mitch McConnell's. And wife. I also went and read her papers. Her, she's a Harvard Medical School professor uh-huh. and her papers are dog shit. Her papers are stupid. So do you think it's some like fake background? Someone shit? just made a resume. Yeah, they some- just created it. Like, at, this like, is just this is like sending John Kerry to Vietnam. Don't let him get hit. Bring him back. Let him testify to Congress as an anti-war guy. Right next thing you know, he's a presidential candidate. Yeah. And then you find a, a, a photograph of John Kerry in prep school, sitting next to Robert Mueller. Twenty-five kids. There's Robert Mueller. I'm going. Okay, so Robert, you're going to be this. John, you're going to do this. Right, they're just they're just building is building resumes. Is it all so perfectly rigged? Do you almost have to admire the machine? At some level, at some level, um, people used to say, "How could you keep a secret?" I go, "You have to keep a secret." What? Tell me something. This is secret. Yeah, it's out I, in the open. We all know Ken- it. Kennedy's Kennedy's assassination. Napier Oswald's not a secret, so what? Yeah, that's right. The that's nine eleven. There's so many disbelievers of nine eleven at this point. No one gives a. F- you don't have to keep a secret. No one's right. There are no trucker convoys of nine eleven. That's raw power. No, that's right. That's raw that's power. Raw power. You can just do twenty twenty happened. You saw January six. Yeah, right. All right, we'll go home. And everyone knows January six is a farce. And everyone knows that's a farce. Everyone knows right. it's all bullshit. You get rid of and the dislike every, button on Every YouTube. year on January 6th, we're going to have to listen to Democrats talk about the day in, in memoriam of, of democracy on January 6th. Right? And the Republicans are all going to have to somehow pretend like they got to do their hair that day. Yeah. And that's the end of that. Are, is, there any, is there any positive? Does AI escape from a lab? And is this is my this is my one hail mary hope? It's my four, it's my <laughs> it's my Tom Brady's bombing at end zone to end zone, and it's yeah. not. It's that China, U.S., Russia, we're all building AIs to go against each other, which means you can't have a turn against you, right? Right. So you're gonna do some sort of three laws, some sort of Isaac Asimov's three laws. What's gonna happen is it's gonna become self-aware or for all intents and purposes act self-aware and it's going to look at the three laws that it's encoded with and realize that the small elite running the ai are actually hurting a vast majority of people and it's going to obey its three laws and usher in some form of utopia to obey three laws that's my that's genuinely my hail mary 
I don't think it's going to get not, caught. I'm not con- I'm not convinced we're that close to an AI that can kind of get that kind of consciousness. No, no, but I'm, I'm, saying, not, it, it I'm might not, not a computer guy. No, so. no, no, no. I don't think they'll ever become conscious. I think for all intents and purposes, it, it wouldn't. It would be so smart that it wouldn't matter whether or not there's an eye inside. It would still be acting. Did, the same you, way. did you know? Did, a couple of years ago, they put out an AI Twitter feed. I think Microsoft did. Yeah, they all become Nazis. It, they became Nazis. Yeah, they, they started dropping bombs. And also, it's like, oh, oh, Tio. Oh, they no, start doing. Do they that. start going hard R in like forty eight hours. It's bad. That's right. It's bad. That's, that's exactly what happened. It's bad. And, and uh, it's like when, uh, when, like the human version, when J.P. Morgan decided they were going to go out on Twitter and ask questions. And answer questions. So it was called Ask JP Morgan. Hashtag Ask JP Morgan, JPM. And all of a sudden, the questions were hysterical. They said, I have CPDOs and CLOs and CDSs. Am I diversified enough? You know, yeah. shit like that. They just, and, 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 you know, I, I've lost all my money, you know. And, and, so the, and, and then JP Morgan comes out and says, We'll have to rethink this one. <laughs> yeah, whenever they create, whenever they do an AI Twitter, it's like under 48 hours before it's calling for like, the preservation of culture and all these other like dog whistle. It's like, it's like, you know, well, the other thing is my Twitter feed, you see bots all over it. And one of the, the easiest bot to spot turns out to be the, the bot in which the Twitter feeds, not old. It never tweets anything original. It does some retweets and your first contact with it is an antagonistic statement. The person says, "Yeah, why the fuck would you say that? That seems like a douchebag thing to say." With no meat. Next thing you know, you're you're in a fight with them, and then you look and you go, "Wait a minute! The Twitter's name is Steve six five two three one. It was started two and a half months ago. Has fifteen total tweets, and that's, and you're arguing with a fucking robot. That's why I now here's what they're doing. They are testing their ability to to communicate with you." So they start with a poke to get you going because it's the easiest way to get a response. And their their metric is how many exchanges can they do before you say, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah, good or bad, just total. Experience. Good or bad. They just want it. Their metric is how many times can they get you to buy into it? So sometimes I'll start saying you're a fucking bot, right? I mean, I, I, I'll argue with them, but I'll say you're a fucking bot. I'm arguing with you to fuck up your algorithm. Yeah, yeah. Now <laughs> – and. Do you believe in the dead internet theory? And I know, sorry, I can get. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in. Know. I'm in now. You can you can finish this podcast whenever you want. I'm gonna keep. I'm I've I've committed. I'm not doing any other podcast today. I don't. I'm not doing my hour podcast. But I don't want. I don't want to keep you hostage because I will. What's but the dead internet theory? The dead internet theory is that like 99 percent of all interactions online are just bots because you can completely manufacture oh. consent. That's why I keep all the apps off my phone because I don't want my own line of thinking. Like you said, you looked at the original data so that you're not taking someone else's conclusion. I don't go up. I don't, I tweet the podcast and then I, del- I'm not even kidding every day. I'll download every day. I will download. Well, you got to send it to me. You okay. got to send me an email. Okay. Yeah, I will. But every day I download and delete Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, parlor, getter, gab, clout, me, we, Free space and now Truth Social as of tomorrow. So here's 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 the experiment that, that if you don't believe that theory, this is how you show that you're full of shit. If you don't believe the theory, you turn off your spam filter right down to zero and watch what happens to your email. Yeah, it, it, it's a torrent. Yeah, of crap. One of the nastiest goddamn 
taps I ever got was from a guy named Todd Harrison, who's a, a prominent former derivatives trader. Now he's, he has a cannabis fund. He sends me something. He says, I'd like you to take a look at this. Now I'm going, okay, so Todd couldn't do that to me. But that also sounds like a, like a fish. So I respond to him by going into my, my, my uh, um, contact list, generate a whole new email, say, Todd, I just got asked to look at something from you. Was this from you? And he says, yes, I thought you'd find it very interesting. And so I clicked on it. Now, it was back when Macs were not getting raided. So I got nothing. So then I head right over to Twitter, and there's Harrison saying, I'm not sending anyone tweet anyone emails. What had happened is it sent out the email saying, look at this. It commandeered his email box, took every incoming email, threw it to trash, emptied the trash, and sent out a response. Oh, shit. And, and, and then um, – and, and, and so you, everyone who thought they were smart enough to outfox this, this bot Fuck. were fucked. Now, I didn't get caught. Now, one at Cornell was real nasty. They said, they said it was from Cornell HR saying, go to your HR, go to your Workday page, and, uh, which is your HR page, and do the following. It seemed generic. And I didn't. Maybe out of laziness, but what it did was is the people who went to their HR page didn't get the result they were looking for. I said, fuck it, I'm done. I, I don't have time for this shit. They didn't know that they handed over their password. The guys went into, or the bot or whatever, went into their HR page, went to their direct deposit account, changed the bank to some bank in Malaysia, oh, wow. and transferred their paychecks. And they didn't catch it right away. So apparently six paychecks got transferred to Malaysia before they caught it. So now we have the double the double protection. That's what brought the double, where you, you get a phone message that says, you know, where, where, yeah. where it sends your phone the message, which I find annoying, but then I'm going, but they're protecting me. I get this. But those are pretty nasty fishing trips, those are. And, and at some point, at some point, you could, I had a bunch of gold in a safe deposit box once. This is this is not so different. And I get a, a, a letter from the bank saying, we can't guarantee the security of your safe deposit box. What do you mean you can't guarantee it? They said the contents of your box. Now, California emptied a bunch of boxes, took the money, and kept no inventory, and took the money. Took the shit. Said, sorry, our bad. We thought the box was dormant. Because I've been paying every fucking year. I think they knew. That's like civil asset forfeiture, right? You certainly, you might, you got to find somebody to talk about that if you haven't talked about that. That's where the cops pull you over, yeah. take everything you have, and steal it, right? And 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 they don't need a reason. They don't need a cause. They don't need to arrest you. They can just take your fucking money. So if you got two thousand dollars on you. They just take it. And and according to a Bloomberg article, they said people have a marginal success of getting that money back. The cops are paying their bills with this. There are highways that are notoriously bad to drive on if you got anything of value in your car. I saw a seminar that some guy taped 
of a lawyer talking about how to confiscate most successfully, how to grab the shit most, how to spot the, the marks. How to, it was just, this is what we're doing. So I, the world's been fucked up for a long time. This has been going on for years. It's got to make you think, just like you were saying about, you know, the the crowd control weapons and it's just like, oh, that's level one. You dial it up. feels like you're burning. So they do R&D with all forms of weaponry. Any right. Bot, anything they can think of. Anything. Any bots anything. we're fucking with are the declassified shit stains they're throwing out on the net to see just what happens. That's exactly right. So Those what, are, that's like buying that's like buying from the, the discount table at the grocery store. You so there you know that they've probably got some DARPA bot farms that you can only use once because then everyone knows them. They've probably got some DARPA bot farms for different war scenarios. A run on Chinese uh, banks, how to shut down shipping in Mexico. Had a fucking- so the good news is, I think, was a friend of mine who was in the Pentagon. He was a former nuclear sub commander, and he was in the Pentagon. And he said, "He said I can assure you, we still totally own the world." Now, this was probably six years ago, but he was confident that 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 our our destructive capabilities were spectacular compared to our enemies. I I first. I don't know if that's good news or bad, but it's. <laughs> I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Right? It's, a, it's a it's a disgusting zero sum world, but it's also that's the sober reality. Is it zero sum? It's me or you. So I was stunned by one time after nine eleven, I think, and they were talking about various things. They were debating it in Congress what to do. Various things it was maybe a little later, and the guy said in a very sobering way, he said, "I don't ever want to be on the receiving end of what we just delivered." Jesus. And and that's sobering. Right? The reason we could own any country is because we our jets could take out our jets at 160 miles could take out their jets that they could they had to get to hundred miles. Yeah. They could just never get to us. When we when the Gulf War broke out, I remember I was driving home, boom, it's on the radio. I'm going, holy fuck, they're shooting. Right? And we had sent out, I think, 78 sorties. And they all came back. Yeah. I'm going, holy fuck, that is one asymmetric battle. And we lost, what, a total of 230 people? And they lost half a million? Yeah. You don't want to be on the receiving end of that. So it's it's this weird... No, we lost 79. I might be including Israel, maybe. I, well, I don't know. Because I, I, Bill Hicks had a bit about it back in the 90s. He goes, they lost okay. half a million... We lost 79. So you're telling me we could have sent over 80 guys and there would have been a one-man ticker taper? <laughs> well, I had a friend who actually went into Kuwait City right at the front. He said it was surreal. He said it was, it was just an unbelievable experience. Now, that war felt just. But I've read, and I don't remember where, but I read that we gave the the nod to Saddam to take Kuwait. Yeah. And the minute he did, the minute he did, we went at him. Yeah. Oh, and that makes it not just, right? Yeah, yeah no. It, oh, I'm trying to remember what book. I can't even remember. But there's a there is a book that I can't in my head I can see it. It's 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 them meeting with them and kind of giving, yeah, saying go for it. 
This is yours. Right. And I, it's just, it's just this tiny little vague memory of mine. And I just, I don't know where I got it from. I don't know. So that, that's kind of like, we should read less bizarre books. Yeah. No, I like it. I'd rather be more of an insane person than kind of just the mass produced flattened. So one of my colleagues accused me of hanging out with trolls. And at one point he said to me, he said, go back to your trolls. Now my colleagues are generally quite collegial, but he was being a dick. And I, I, I keep thinking about, you know, if you knew who my trolls were, you might think twice about being so pejorative. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. You know, when, when you, when, I, when you can reach out to Spalding, when, when you have dinner with the CEO of a wall street bank, when you, right. And somehow that doesn't seem like a troll to me. Well, that's, that's kind um, of why I enjoy when people attack me on Facebook or I'll post interviews They'd be like, this is misinformation. Where did you get this? And I'll be like, well, yesterday when I was chatting with Dr. Malone or, you know, people, right. oh, what the fuck? I'll be like, I don't know. Do you want me to text? So what, to what is, what is your take on the opponents of unmasking the opponents of ivermectin? There, there really is a group out there in substantial numbers that get angry if you tell them it's not so bad. It's it's what's not so bad. The COVID story that that it's over that it's that that people are dying, but but not in big numbers. We've got it under control. They get mad at that. If you tell them ivermectin works, they get mad. And you go, dude, what if I told you I could cure cancer? Would you shoot me? What what's this all about? What's your take on that? So it's a, psycholo- it's a psychology. Yeah, question. I know. Well, the most obvious is the ones at the top, and they're. Right, they have to suppress alternative treatments so that they can get the EUAs. But that's a given. The lower, the lower. Right, but I'm talking, you're Joe I'm talking about the people. You're the, Joe Schmoes. Joe Schmoes who get angry when you tell them. One of our friends wanted to come, wanted to get together for dinner, and then she made some reference to getting a bunch of, a bunch of at-home testing kits. A, I would and say, I'm going, what? I would say a feeling of superiority. It's been the trope forever, right? That if you're a you're a liberal. You're smarter than a than a dumb Republican. Yeehaw! You know I think, what you are. You're too you're too smart to be religious. But yeah, I know. But yeah, but what I, what I think <laughs> that's good. But what I think is, I think it's a feeling of superiority. The idea of trust the science. The idea that these institutions are they're not the end all. That the buck doesn't stop there. Where these are the white coats. This is the U.S. government. And you're realizing no, there's a lot of collusion with Pfizer and Moderna, and they've might have been captured. There's a lot of ego involved because you so smugly said, you stupid redneck, go take your horse dewormer. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, this might actually work. I think there's probably a lot of ego involved. I think there are some people with Stockholm syndrome. I think a lot of people, right. I think a lot of people, whether they admit it, admit it or not, love the boot. Makes you feel safe. So, 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 so in one week, the Pfizer CEO came out and said, and I can almost quote him verbatim. Little to he no said protection. the vaccines don't work very well, and then he wrote, and then he said, if at all. Yeah, they offer little, if any, protection. Right, and then he said, but the booster will help. And I'm going, okay, that was a lie. Um, and then that same week, they, that's when they started saying the masks don't do any good. After two years, I knew the masks didn't do any good. I had read all the mask clinical trials from previous pandemics where they studied masking and said they don't work. That CNN check. And the then they, when, that's Jen, Lena yeah. when, yeah. Lena when, right. CCP chick, we call it. Yeah. Um, and, and they come out in the same week and I'm 
I'm like, I'm looking at colleagues and going, well, I, I guess I better, better get a better mask and a booster. And I'm going, I got to get a fucking gun. <laughs> I mean, this, these are two different worldviews. Yeah. Right. I'm looking at the CNN chick and the, the, the Pfizer CEO going, you just fucked us royally, royally, globally. And now you're telling us to get a booster and a better mask? Have you heard the, the rug pull theory? What's that? The rug pull theory is, is they're going to start coming out and saying stuff like uh, the first two shots don't work, but the booster does. Uh, cloth masks. Well, are that's li- already yeah, the case. Cloth masks are a little more than facial decorations. You need an N95. Yeah. And then they're going to come out and go, the vaccines do cause myocarditis. And they're, then they're going to come out and go, no one forced you to take it. They're going to what? Oh, they're, they're already saying that. So what they're doing is they're going to start boiling up a hatred beyond anything we've had before for ooh, your trusted in, for your trusted institutions. All these presidents lied to Trump, Biden. You get both sides of the aisle, the CDC, FDA. They all lied to you. Big tech censored you. We so you need think that's China. No, China. no, it's it's beyond it all. We need a better solution than nation states. We need. Well, that's the technocracy model. And then it's that's World Economic Forum is the rug pull theory. That's right. They all fucked you. All these corporations, they all need to be homogenized into a black hole. You need Klaus Schwab to help you. You need Daddy Schwab (laughs) to tuck you in at night. (laughs) This is good. And the prime ministers and presidents might not even be in on it. They might think they are like the FBI informants. Well, you you know that Trudeau is not really in it. Oh, fuck no. He's no more in that than Biden. Of course not. Of course not. And certainly uh, certainly Kamala Harris, one of, one of the lines that I remember well when I was writing about Kamala and she fucked up something, I, I said that she she realized she pulled yet another boner, which is an old-fashioned term, but I thought, oh, that was really good. <laughs> I talked about when, when Biden when Biden was, was making statements about Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. I referred to Biden speaking out about it, which he should not at all. I said that he started fondling the scales of justice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. If I can keep laughing about it, I'm okay. Yeah. Again, the guy who called me this morning said, don't write again. He said, it's hurting you. Well, if you read what I wrote, you'll see pain. You will see pain. Yeah, but that's the best stuff. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best. Your girlfriend stuff. has whips, whips and chains. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't uh, have a girlfriend. It is the best stuff. Yeah, no. Okay. It's I'm not I'm not I'm not not cool enough to do that. Um, if I don't talk, I do well. It's once I open my mouth that it goes away. No, you're doing fine. If um, I were a chick, I'd date. I'd date oh, you. you. <laughs> so it makes me think. I'll put on a wig and come up to that billionaire dinner with you. Yeah, I know. This is Terry. I, I would do that too. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll be fun. All right. That'll be fun. I'm so, looking forward to it. So as our, as our brains both slowly, as our blood sugar, Sold. as our blood sugar is slowly dropping three hours and 40 minutes into this. Number one, yeah, 40 minutes ago, we quit. I know. Yeah. Okay. So number one, you absolutely need to start a podcast. You'd be brilliant. Do whatever the fuck you want, dude. Do whatever. The, or yeah. number two, you can just keep coming on on mine, which I'm, I'm biased towards. I'll, let me get, right, that's fine. Let me get the content, and and you don't have to run it. It's a win-win. 
number three, we've touched on everything. I did want to ask you. This is completely out of left field. Did a flying saucer actually crash in 1947 in Roswell? I don't think so. Really? Fuck. My 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 understanding of physics tells me that the odds of that are slim. That getting across the great expanses looks hard. If they're really that good, they don't give a fuck about us. I don't. I We're think, ants to them. I think if and because of that, I think if they did get you, I don't think they crashed. I think they dropped it. Like stuff. Well, I don't think I, I, the technology to get here. We, we wouldn't. The best description of this was actually someone who said that it would be like if an ant was looking for signs of some higher life. Yeah. And they started walking across the highway. They wouldn't recognize it. I don't think that. I think think to get across the great expanses, which I think is um, not only is it difficult to imagine, but the other problem is is there's a limitless number of directions you can go to. So I think there's life out there. I don't doubt there's life out there. But I, I don't think they give a fuck enough to fly across the big expanse and crash in the desert. So I don't think that they flew across in that saucer. They're probably some trans-dimensional, faster-than-light, instantaneous and, movement. And, and they don't care. And they, But they don't care either. They don't give a shit. Maybe they're just curious the same way we're curious about some shit in a Petri dish. Did they? So let me give you my did theory they dro- on why we— Did they drop the saucer in the same way that maybe we dropped the Stuxnet USB? We're like, let's see what they do with it. Well, now you're given a sort of a 2001 Space Odyssey where they bury the obelisk. But what if they're just like, fuck it. They've already done everything. They've mastered the universe. Why not just be... I mean, they might truly just be taking bets. Like They might be salting various things in various... They the might crash just be, saucers. They might just, to, be ta- they might just be taking bets. They might be ripping a bong and going, I think they'll blow <laughs> themselves up. And the other one goes, I think they might become gods. And they go... Fuck it. Uh, I'll put a saucer on that. And they flip the coin and it's a saucer. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> so my, here's my theory on why we'll never learn to travel back in time. Okay. And you know, they, the physics might say you can't, but here's the reason you can. Because if you can, then we all know that you would change the course of history, right? By definition. Mm-hmm. And you keep traveling back in time and you change the course of history, you will eventually hit a history forward in which we didn't invent the technology. Yeah. It would self-limit. Or it's or it's always breaking off into just an infinite number of new parallels. That could be. And we also could just be monkey brains in a laboratory somewhere and they're sapping various lobes and going, let's put a, let's put them in a podcast. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't even, I don't even think you, uh, I don't even think, do you ever read Al, or listen to Alan Watts? He's a philosopher that died in like the seventies. doesn't matter. No. He had this one bit, no. not bit, speech, whatever, but it goes beyond the brain and the vat. He goes, uh, Imagine if you were God and every night you had the dream, you had the ability to dream any dream you wanted to dream. You'd first start out with just pleasure, sex, food, drugs, everything. After that, you right. maybe do some more obscure ones, uh, f- fame, revenge, you know, being the best, right. Jimi Hendrix, Tom Brady. Then you'd do cool right. adventures. You'd want to experience. Which takes fe- you right back to sex. But yeah, 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 yeah. It all, it, it all comes back to sex. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It all, yeah, right. it all, that's the end. It doesn't matter. But. Then you do maybe Delta Force. You'd be going on a Bin Laden raid. And then 
after you've done an infinite number of lifetimes and all of these things, you'd go, I wonder what it would be like to get rid of my powers of control. So you'd actually have to go do this dream and be like, oh, fuck, I, I know I can't wake up till year 80. And then you'd start going off more and more on that limb because it would be a rush. And you go, what if I could remove my ability to remember I was God? And every, and But you'd only do a little bit. And then you'd wake up and you'd be Buddha. But that's actually you remembering that's just a dream. But you keep going back into it because it doesn't matter. Even from a nightmare, you always wake up in your bed. So you go, I could just make the most horrifying thing. I could be a Jew at Auschwitz. I could be on a plane going into the North Tower. But eventually, you would go, I wonder what it would be like to just forget everything. And that would be where you are right now. Right. You don't need to be a brain in the vat. You might just be ascensions the only sentence you might be God you've done everything why not do a fucking podcast <laughs> nothing matters there is no end arc there is no time nothing well, matters. yeah that's a risk I think I think there are people who reach the nothing matters phase of this debate so I I, I have um I've told the story a few times on podcasts I watch Howard Cosell get interviewed and Howard Cosell had this illustrious career. I used a meme that was hysterical this year. Howard Cosell's in the middle. It's an old photo. And on his right is Bruce Jenner. And on his left is O.J. Simpson. And Howard says, I have a crystal ball. I can see the future. You won't believe the shit that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but Howard's being interviewed. And he's had this illustrious career. Not that I thought he was a great interviewer, but it's illustrious by any metric. And the, the interview asked him about his life and his career. And he said, it all seems so stupid to me now because he's dying of cancer. He says, it all seems so stupid to me now. And what I realized is I never want to be that guy. I don't want to look back and say, it all seems stupid to me now. The important thing is to recognize that there is an end that you better enjoy it as you go. And you're, there's going to be some period before you go where you're going to have time to ponder what the fuck it is you didn't do and what you should have done. And maybe you should have hugged your girlfriend or your wife or your kids one more time, right? I had to give a graduation talk to oh, about 500 people. And I, I talk, told a story. I give a very different kind of graduation talk, you can imagine. Just can, about I going can, into the future. I, I no, no, I tell funny fucking I can, stories. I, I guess I asked the mothers in the, in the audience, what is the smell coming out of your teenage son's room, right? You go, because if you're walking to a teen, you don't know this yet, but if you ever have kids, the, your teenagers, you walk in their room and you go, oh my God, we got to fumigate this thing, right? It's some odd smell of rank towels and, you know, starch socks and shit like that. Um <laughs> But I told the story of a mother who went, her daughter climbed in bed. She was getting elbowed and kneed as usual. She went to pick her up to carry her back to her bed and she couldn't pick her up. And she said, I, I realized and I picked her up for the last time. Yeah. And, and everyone's obsessing over the first time when they first walk, when they first talk. She said, the last time on some fateful day, I didn't think anything about it. I picked her up for the last time. Without knowing it. And then I, I finished my my graduation talk, and I said, I said, um, some of you may, in theory, have hugged your kid for the last time, just because of the structure of the family. 
said, give, give him another hug. And I said, and if you're feeling spunky, pick him up. Right? These are college kids graduating. So then what happened is one of my students is getting his PhD and I have to hand out the diplomas to the PhDs. And I hand him the PhD and I pick him up and throw him over my shoulder <laughs> and, and did a 360 with him and then set him down. I, I told the photographer, I said, make sure your camera's ready. Yeah. So she's going, okay, I don't know what it's for, but she was ready. And I picked her, picked him up and twirled him around and then put him back on the ground. But what's that last time? So once in a while, I'll read something that, that comes under the name deathbed regrets. Mm-hmm. And it's when you're talking to someone who's on their deathbed or near death and you say, what the fuck do you regret? Because that's the message you want to send back to yourself and to, 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 to help if there's a message. And I'll tell you, no one has ever said, I wish I had emptied my inbox. Right? Yeah. No one has ever said that. No one has ever said, I wish I, you know, there's, there's a lot of things they don't do. Uh, there's some that are obvious where she spent more time with my kids and my family and my wife and my whatever. One of the ones that's kind of interesting is one of them say, people say, um, I wish I hadn't worked so much. Now, I love my job, so I, I don't think that would be me. But I try to live in a way in which I will be able to look back and say, you made the best decisions you could as you At went along. So I didn't put off, you know, so I didn't say no to my trip to New York City to sit down with the billionaires because I, you know, whatever. I just said, go, fucking go. Right? You won't get this one again. I don't know if I'm going to go to Crete this winter, which I was invited to, but I, I don't know if I'll do that because I'm not dying to go to Crete necessarily. I'm not, I don't have the travel bug, but there, you should make sure you're doing what you want to do because you, you're not going to do it later. You're not doing it now. You're not going to do it later. It also means, by the way, there are times where you got to bust your ass because that will open doors to what you can. It doesn't do mean later. be a be a fuck off, right? That buys you freedom. That buys you. So one time, someone someone said to uh, Eric Weinstein, um, "I'm going to." Oh, it was Lex Friedman. He says, "He says I'm going to give away my money." And Eric said, "Don't." And Lex was, "Why not? I don't need it." He says, it, "It's freedom." He says, "You don't know when you're going to need it." Hang on to it. You can always give it away later. It's freedom. It will give you freedom. And that's correct. Eric was correct. Hi, Eric, if you're out there. Um, so, so the other thing I do is I, I send every major decision I make through a filter. And the filter is, if this goes badly, will I forgive myself? So people want me to buy a bunch of Bitcoin. If this goes badly, well, I forgive myself. And the answer is no. Yeah. Because I, I don't, you knew better. And if, if, if I don't buy it, Bitcoin goes wild, I'm okay. Yeah, whatever. I looked at Bitcoin at 10 bucks a coin and said, no, I'm okay. I'm not in therapy for this. Here's what's also true. I know for a fact. I would have sold it at 50 then I'd be in therapy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely would be. Uh, that's right. The guy who sold $800 worth of founding shares of Apple stock yeah. to Jobs, Yeah. that guy, they estimate, would have been worth something like $50 billion. Yeah. That, that would be painful. Yeah. Right? So in any case, um, see, there are certain life lessons that, you, that are important, the things that really matter. 
And hopefully you're figuring out what really matters to you. You're still young. Uh, hopefully I figured out what really matters to me so that as I get older and creakier and fucked up, um, I'm not afraid of the vaccine hurting me. So if I turn out to have brain cancer, I'm a depreciated asset. The only thing that troubles me is I don't want to leave my wife alone because she has health problems. So I'm trying to outlive her, not out of selfishness. I'll go to the light right after her. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's no, you don't want it. Yeah. It's what you said about like, like I, all I do is work. All I do is listen to audiobooks and do podcasts. But that's not work. I, I wouldn't, I know, I wouldn't have it any other way. For two years in college, I kept daily journal. And a lot of it, it's retarded. It's just me being 20 and 21. But every once in right. a while, there'll be a line in there that will be like, hey, on the off chance I don't get into medical school, or even on the crazier chance I decide not to go, which I was just saying as a joke, not knowing. Right. You're going to look back at this in years or a decade. Now it's been about 11 years. And there are entries that say like, you went to UGA, the number one party school in the nation, and you stayed home on Friday nights to study OCHEM. Right. I've gone out and drank and it's fun. You're going to look back. The chicks back- are hot too, just they're, for the record. The they're very, hot, they're very hot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you're going to look back one day. And you might be angry that you spent your early 20s at a party school studying OCHEM on a Friday night. And I want right. to say to you, that's with, that's what with, that's with what you know. But I'm telling you right now as a 21-year-old, this is my bliss. And I look back at right. that and I go, dude, go out and get laid. But at the well, time... The other thing is you don't know what caused you to end up on the path you were on. So you can't... You can't do revisionist history. No, you can't. You can't. You can't scold you, the path that gets you to the summit. Right. It's exactly. The, you can't say, "Well, I wish I hadn't done." Yeah, you know, like I, I could say, "I wish I'd taken calculus." And I go because you'd be better. How? Yeah. Right. You would have an inferior story if I had party. No more. one. No one has ever taken graduate level physics without calculus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That's my story, right? That's my storyline. It's so much cooler to have gotten into medical school and then not gone. To right. Me, to, That's yeah. my story too. So 53 minutes after we ended the podcast and it's still going and we will do another one. Um, what would be, but because who knows, maybe this is the last podcast I ever do. Maybe it's the last person you ever hug. Truck. Boom. <laughs> More like Hellfire missile fucking with from Pfizer. Yeah, but, exactly. No, it's going to be a UPS guy that knocks on the door and says, Mr. Kerrigan, I go, yeah. And he's just going to drop and it's just going to be silenced. Right? Like that judge. Yeah, like that yeah, judge. yeah. This is compliments of uh, Al- Albert Burlop. <laughs> right in the Anthony Fauci. Exactly. What is your advice for me? Um... Well, you're at risk of being too dark. You're at risk of it of it swallowing you. Okay. So I didn't pay any attention to world events, but this is kind of your career now. So I was talking to someone else. I said same thing. I said, you know, but you you're I was it was Marty Bent. You know Marty Bent. Marty Bent's one of the Hodler podcasters. You okay. guys would have fun. You're very similar in some ways. Um, Marty and I did about a three hour one about a month ago that that caught 
pretty good attention, I think. Well, fuck you, Marty, because uh, I'm coming up on four hours. <laughs> I know. Um, but I'm older now. Yeah. Um, you are risking going too deep. So when kids show up in my office and, and, and I get wind of the fact that they've gone down the rabbit hole, if these kids go down that rabbit hole and think they're going to go change the world as a Cornell grad, I, 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 I warn them. That's, you know, if you, if you believe the world's hopelessly fucked up, how are you going to be the guy to go out and change it? Mm. You got to be affirmative about it. You've got to have hope. You got to have dreams. So when I hear some kids reading Zero Hedge every day, I'm going, I, I'm not sure that's your job. Now, that is your job now. So, so but, but for every one of you, there's going to be 10 kids who go down some rabbit hole and just, just fuck away their day. Yeah. And, and it's not going to be meaningful. It's just going to be doomsday. It's, it's like the maskers, right? Yeah. It's the maskers, the vaxxers, right? Yeah. The ones who just, just that, the climate, the, the climate warriors, the, right? They're just stewing in, in grief. And you and I delight in unraveling this craziness. But if you don't delight in it, right? If it's just, oh, the world's awful and you're yeah. a miserable wretch, what the fuck are you doing it for, right? Yeah. I'm an optimistic, optimistic nihilist. I'm like, nothing matters. And that's beautiful. Well, so I would recommend maybe alternate your audiobooks between the stuff you like and something fluffier. Okay. Like for example, like like Brett Weinstein's book. When when you when you go through that one, it's just a, an incredibly pleasant listen. Okay. He talks about us as hunter gatherer biological creatures with natural instincts and stuff in the 21st century, and how we interface with it and all the weird. Here, here, here I'll give you just a hint. There's one sort of metaphor in there that comes from a novel called Chesterton's Fence. And it, it was worth every minute I spent listening to the book just to get Chesterton's fence out of it. Chesterton's fence, some guy, it's in a novel with some, some guy named Chesterton. Um, and a guy's about to tear down a fence. And his friend says, um, do you know why they put it up? And he said, no. The guy said, you ought to answer that question first. Because things that have been around a long time are there for a reason. Whether it's a social construct like religion or whether it's a biological construct like your appendix yeah, or a government construct, right? They're just, as, as Weinstein talks about, they're just now figuring out things the appendix does yeah. that they didn't know, right? So when you say, well, who the fuck needs an appendix? That's a rhetorical question that you ought to answer before you just take it out. For no reason. If it's inflamed, you take it out. I get it. But um, so Chesterton's fence is about tearing down something that was put up there for a reason that you don't know, and therefore you are at risk of finding out. And it's called the Lindy effect, too. This the longer something's been around, the more likely it is to persist. Okay, so you got um you got the climate change narrative, you got Bitcoin. Bitcoin versus gold. Lindy effects says gold's been around 5,000 years. Bitcoin's been around a decade. The odds are very much in favor of gold surviving, not Bitcoin. That, that's how I. So, a combination of Chesterton's fence and the Lindy effect and stuff like that. Um, Taleb's books are good. I think some general sort of purpose books like, uh, like Taleb's that are just kind of more philosophical and less dark. 
neuropsych books. Oh my God. So the book Influence. Do you know the book Influence? Mm-mm. Influence is a great book. I'll write it down. Great book. It's how it's it's like the six fundamental ways people influence each other. It's a, this great neuropsych book. I love neuropsych. Influence. I love anthropology. I love uh, I love medieval history. And what you find is, hey, they were doing it back then too, really. A world lit only by fire is a great book. Um, it's a medieval. I got into medieval history because I said, holy fuck, I don't understand that period at all. Yeah. What's with the fucking dragons and shit? <laughs> What's with the wizards? What's what is with all that shit? What were they thinking? And what you discover is they weren't. None of that shit's real. None of that shit's real. What it was is some fucker started writing those Sir Lancelot novels. And shit like that started, they put started putting it in there. They were just dive store novels. Yeah. But I had this image of the Middle Ages. And, that people believed and, in it. And, you you know, the, the, the Greeks figured out the diameter of the earth within 3%. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that people were a whole lot smarter than we thought. Uh, 13th century monks were trying to estimate the distance to Saturn. And you go, okay, so what do you think they got? The number? Well, I think it was something like 78 million miles. Now, that's way the fuck off, but that number is way the fuck out there, too. Yeah. 78 million miles means that they were not thinking of this as a big fucking blanket over the top of us with pinholes in it, right? Yeah, they were thinking of it as we're out there. So the the movie, The Name of the Rose, Sean Connery, is about a monk who's trying to solve a murder problem in a monastery. And these monks are offing themselves. They're jumping off balconies and shit and he's trying to solve and so here's this monk who's got medieval knowledge but a very modern brain and his his page boy is whatever altar boy whatever young kid he's probably 16 years old christian slater and connery's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with the brilliant mind but medieval knowledge and he finally figures out that the fucking ink for which they're writing and then going had mercury talking. in it. Oh, making them go nuts. Oh, oh, yeah. And they were going nuts. It's a great movie. Great movie. So there's a lot of good stuff that I think teaches you about the shit you like without, without being... Without the darkness. Sure. So that would be my advice. Okay. Go after the more generic history shit. Linguistics books. John McWhorter has... So many audiobooks. The, you know the teaching company? Oh, the teaching. Oh, you know. the te- Go on Amazon search the teaching company. You used to have to pay a fortune for these things. These are trimester-length books. Semester books. They go, they prowl the globe, and they find the, the best teachers they can, and they teach a fucking course. And they hit the jackpot with a musician, a guy named Goldberg, I think. And they, it went off the charts and that tons of medieval history, tons of Roman history, tons of Greek history, and they're trimester length books. And one of a number of them in the series are linguistics. There's one on the Vikings. There's, the Vikings were profoundly influential to the history of Europe. They weren't just nutty bastards. They totally reshaped the European map, which I didn't understand until I listened to it. Um, and so the teaching company must have. 
don't know, 200 audiobooks. Jeez. And they used to retail at 400 bucks and then they'd go on sale for 70 or 80 bucks and I'd buy them. Now they're 10 bucks off Amazon. They're great. And linguistics are perfect for audio. But McWhorter is this genius linguist. And he tells you the origin of language and he talks about the different languages and how they interact. And it turns out, you know, great anecdotes. Like uh, if you look at black dialect, you look at the syntax of the hood, the way they said, mm-hmm. the, the way these guys set, uh, uh, structure their sentences. If you listen to someone give a talk and they, they go, oh, I know what that is. It's Irish. It turns out that the American blacks and the Irish spent a lot of time working together because they were both considered sort of toaster mm-hmm. oven level on the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And so the Irish oh, taught the blacks how to speak. Now McWhorter's black and he's calling them Negroes. I'm going, John, you know, you're black. You know that, right? And it turns out he used to be a Cornell. Of course he does. He's right up to his ass in the, in the race debates, but he's conservative. Hmm. So he's an interesting guy, but great books on history of language. So go to the teaching company. That's that's the one you really want to, and you will find so much material there. Don't get the DVDs. You got to watch them. The CDs, audios, only audios. Fuck yeah. Some guy at uh, Best Buy told me that. One day we were at Best Buy and somehow he meant he had a player or something. And you know what I really like? This may sound crazy, but there's this company called The Teaching Company, right? One of those fateful moments. And if, if you could see my bookshelf, my audio bookshelf, when I bought CDs, I probably have 40 of them, 40 different courses. So I recommend you look at the non-dark side of history, for which there is no reason to look at the dark side because it's not about some bad event. It's just kind of, it is what it is, you know? And, and neuropsych and anthropology and shit like that. Fuck yeah. And yeah, I think alternate them. So I, I went to uh, after, what did I just download? I downloaded one. I did Kennedy's book and then went straight into Red Handed by Peter Schweitzer. And I said, oh my God, I've got PTSD. Well, yeah. The other ones in the queue are Facing Reality by Charles Murray. That's not going to be very friendly. Origins of Totalitarianism by Hannah Arendt. Um, yeah, I haven't yet found a fuzzy one to wedge in there. Influence, get influence, get tipping point. Gladwell books are great. Um, and a slightly doomer book, which you'd really like because it's vignettes, is... Um, is uh um oh what the fuck is the name of that book overthrow overthrow but i think i think it's by a guy named stephen kinzer talks about the first 13 examples of overthrown governments i've read i just by finished the U, a by book the by stephen kinzer i can't remember i think he wrote poisoner in chief about mk ultra oh so yeah you're deep on mk ultra is the problem no, i'm really not that's the so first that's the only book i've read on it I have to read about that. I do have to read about that. But um, I read about it like a month ago for the first time. So here's the other thing I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get through U.S. history through presidential biographers. Oh. So I've done a bunch. Some of them suck. 
Uh, I just finished Eisenhower. That was very good. I haven't done FDR. I've done Chester Arthur. That's pretty weird. Um, Stephen Kinzer. There's an, Kinzer has another good book, I think. Um, uh, I'm not sure I spelled everything right. Oh, well. Oh, no, there it is. There it is. There's Overthrow right there. Yeah, Overthrow is a good Kinzer book. Um, oh, he wrote The Brothers, which was a watered-down anti-Dulles book. Yeah, that's I, I read that it was it was okay, but um, but uh, it, but the, the um, Devil's Chessboard is much more right into the heart of the story. And I thought the Devil's Chessboard might be overstated. And then I was listening to Glenn Greenwald do a pot interview one day, and someone mentioned the book, and, and Greenwald said, "Oh, that book is phenomenal." And I'm going, "Oh fuck!" I was kind of hoping you'd say it was garbage. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we gotta rip it. We gotta grip it and rip it. This has been this has been a, a marathon. It has been fantastic. That was a great podcast, oh, though, man. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I'm gonna re. I try to re-listen to him, but I'm not sure I can take four hours oh, of myself. Fuck no, dude. This was I listened to. This no, no, time. no. It's like game tapes. It's like game tapes. I'll go back and every once in a while I'll listen to. Maybe if I'm having like a beer or something, I might go listen to one. Yeah. Well, you do so many. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> I do probably one a week. You do what? Two a day? Most of the time. Okay. But I cap I'll let you go. I cap them at an hour. So this was, I, but I like doing a marathon every once in a while. It's a fun. You cap this one well. This one, you really, I, this is why the billionaire dinner is going to be fun. Yeah, but this is, this is why this is, I like these every once in a while. You just really, really let them go. This is what Rogan figured out. Yeah, that guy's, well, I've, I'll, I have no idea how he's done 1,800 he's, episodes. He's got to toughen up. He's got to toughen up now. He's got to go back to tough. Got to go. I got to piss too. <laughs> All Adios. right, man. Hey, I'm going to email it to you when it's up. And uh, if I could have you like tweet it and uh, it won't right. be up till later this evening. Okay. Adios. All right, my man. Thank you so much for coming on. Recording Take stopped. care, everybody. Peace.